to sell some of them. You're wasting all your time and money on models. Paint what you have. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of Model Club TV. I'm still fucking this up. Oh, my God. 45? All right. <laughs> 35. Welcome 35. to our uh, post-Black Friday episode. How you doing, Scott? I'm thrilled to be here. Me too. <laughs> uh, we that got some more quality time with you. Oh, isn't it the best? I've already spent too much time with you this week and more. Oh boy. Uh, just a heads up. Some people were wondering where the episode was because I mentioned it being a Black Friday episode. If you listen carefully in that episode, I said it would be coming out after Black Friday. Um, because. If I had to record this on Thanksgiving, I would have gotten beat up. Scott would have gotten beat up. Uh, I had parent-teacher conferences this week. It's a chaos. These next couple of months are going to be very... If they get out on time, it'll be a Christmas miracle with all this stuff happening. So if we're ever late on something, bear with us. It's coming. Uh, but we're not late. We aim for the 15th and the 30th every month. And even if that doesn't fall on a weekend or we try to shoot for the weekend before... It's the best we can do. We're lucky these things get out at all, actually. So. Yeah, anyway. well, you're doing all the editing. I hate you, dude. Yeah, see? Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> we are going to get to our first giveaway, which is from last week. We're going to give away the kit from uh, CG Blade. And in order to do that, we are going to listen to a voicemail from CG Blade. A very long voicemail. Love us, hate us, there is something interesting to share. Well, I have something interesting to share. This is CG Blade, and I want to wish all of you guys that listen to the show, listen to the podcast, and are friends of mine and friends of ours, I want to wish you guys a safe and healthy Thanksgiving. Um, uh, hopefully everybody's with family, some kind of family, and nobody's alone eating one of those swans and turkey dinners with the, you know, Get the two little pieces of meat, and 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 who came up with the dessert thing for that thing? It's like, first of all, it's like you cook it separately, and then all of a sudden it like shrinks up, and it looks like a little ball of something fudge. I don't know. Anyways, I'm getting off the beaten track here. The reason I called was because I was the Invisible Man contest um, runner. And I uh, went through the comment sections, and I found a couple of good ones, and um, um, they're all good. But um, I've got a couple of winners, and I really got a tie. Um, I really got a tie for the top, so I think I'm going to send another kit out, another win runner kit out. Uh, the win runner kit is a uh, 3D printed um, kit that I got off of Gambody, and it's just beautiful it's a uh, um a female uh, with an arrow and, and standing on a like a um a stone uh, wall of a castle with a flag and it's just really cool looking um but uh, i think i might get another kit and send it out to um okay here's what i picked for number one so it's from theroxapy am i am i doing that right i don't know theroxapy if I were invisible, I would hang out in the homes of rich and famous, tip over candlesticks, rearrange things on the tables, 
and making them think that their mansions were haunted. I love that. That's awesome. That's what I picked for number one. Now, also what I picked for number one, which I think was really cool because uh, Robert Trock um, had um, sent this in saying, if I were invisible, I would listen in on insider trading conversations and do the same. Of course, I would have to know where and who to spy on. If you know John it's Carpenter, like he made Peter a movie called Jackson Memoirs movie. of an Invisible Man with Chevy Chase and Daryl Hannah. And uh, it was actually an excellent movie. I loved it. I have it a Blu-ray in my collection. If you don't have it, get it. It's really good. The things that he does when he's invisible. Um, so I'm going to call that number one also. No one and so I'm going to send another kid out for both you guys, the Roxy and Robert Truck. Anyways, all you guys um, take care, and thank you for all the kind words from the last podcast. I had a blast. Hopefully maybe one day we can do it again. And um, – Take care and uh, have a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. Thank you, CG Blade, for the wonderful giveaway and two giveaways he's going to give out. So we truly do appreciate it. Um, he's a good guy. He is a good guy. And thank you again. Seriously, we do appreciate it. And the winners will get a hold of you and we'll go from there. Anyway, moving did, on. Did anyone ever um, fess up to being the Joker? No, we'll get to that in emails. We have a guest. Actually, we can do it real, not, real quick. We have a guess on the Joker, and no one fessed up to be in the Joker. Hi, Jason. I really enjoyed the last episode, and my guess for the mystery voicemail is Crazy Joe. It could be, but it hasn't fessed up to it. I don't think it yeah. is, though. I don't think Crazy Joe's that talented. Oh, uh, looking forward to the next show, Mark Bennett. So we'll let you know. If it is Crazy Joe, we'll find out. We may never know. We may never know. But keep those guesses coming in. All right. Scott, are you ready? I'm, I'm. You've been ready since about three o'clock, right? I'm sweating uh, with anticipation. <laughs> Our huge Black Friday, post Black Friday giveaway. We've been kind of uh, kicking this around for a while. This is actually going to be a Christmas one too, because when we actually give it away, it will sort of be a Christmas episode. So first, so the first minor giveaway, not minor, but it's still a pretty cool thing. This is going to be. When we give this away, there'll be two main prizes we're giving away. And then there's kind of like a uh, runner's up prize. And that will be this. And it is, and I'm going to throw something else in here that I haven't decided on yet. It'll be a mystery box, basically. But you're getting from Ed Riley, you're getting the Amazing Figure Modelers issue 10, 12, 21. 27, 32, and then Kit Builders issue 58 and number 23. So nice little magazine collection. You know, these are going to be a lot harder to find coming up here soon because, you know, actually, we didn't even mention we have Terry on this episode. So, yeah, you know, Terry Webb, cool Terry J. Webb. I mean, you got the good one with the Frankenstein's monster on there. Those don't look like they're in too bad shape. No, they're, they're pretty good red. shape. Godzilla issue. Yeah. Okay. Vampire issue. Universal monsters. Can't go wrong there. More gothic stuff. And then look at that. Two kit builders. Oop, let's get them in there. So there's that. So you get that stack of magazines plus a mummy figure from Jamie Sai that he sent over to us. 
he sent us a bunch of other stuff. Scott, would you like to, uh, do we call him out so, on his shipping abilities? No, no. He was nice enough to donate <laughs> some stuff to us. And, um, it was a little more fragile than I guess he thought. Let's yeah. put it that way. Uh, the other thing is this is, I mean, it's one of my better, one of my first prints I ever did. There's some cleanup on it, but you'll get this monster bus as well. You'll get a little it that conquered the world. I think that's what that is, right? Where'd that come from? Uh, I found it on Cults 3D. I wow. printed a bunch of them. So, and I'm going to throw something else in the box that I haven't decided on that'll be probably bigger than all. That's that. That's the runner-up prize. And we mentioned this one last week. The second thing we're giving away, and Mark called it. I wouldn't be able to get it back in the box. And that is the Young Frankenstein Peter Boyle bust. I believe it was Shanna that called it. Yes. Oh, yeah, Shanna called it. This is kit number two we're giving away with the clear hand that Scott invented or came up with. Wait, kit number two? Yeah. This is the kit number two. Oh, kit number two? I thought it was like casting number two, and I'm like, wait a minute, I paid for mine, and I'm like... Giveaway number two. 45 on the list, and I'm lucky I get a a usable one. But anyway, go ahead. And the final, the big one. Big one. I am not taking it out of the box. Anyone want to guess? Oh, oh. Yes, Scott, what is it? Oh, that's a witch kit. This is a witch kit. So Mark Worthling, you are the best. He's given us a complete witch kit, number 168, to give away. It's been sitting here for a few months, when I, since, and I haven't been able to tell anyone. And it's like, oh, I don't even want to give away. But anyway, this is what we're giving away. This is our big giveaway. There's a little uh, Aurora tribute on, on the actual box right there. So the item number, 483. 149 was the Aurora kit number and price. Look at that. Yeah. So, so, and in case you haven't noticed, he's done it on all of them that he's released. I did not so, notice that. I didn't know that. Cats out of the bag, Mark. Sorry. Cool. So we have a witch, young Frankenstein, Peter Boyle, the monster, stack of hobby magazines with some kits and some other stuff thrown in there. That is a huge kit to give away. Huge is in terms of. That's that's a deal. So if you're going to win that kit. So how are we going to give these kits away, Scott? Uh, for free. For free. They are going to be for free, sort of. <laughs> if you're not overseas. Okay. How about for the witch kit? No, we, we, then it's a judge thing. We can't do it. I was going to say, you have to tell us a story about your wife complaining about your model kit collecting. <laughs> It could be your husband. I mean, we have we have female your husband too. or yeah, your, yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um. No, we can't do that. Um. All right, Scott. How are we going to do this? Let's. And we're not going to limit this. If you've won something before, you're eligible. Everyone's eligible. This Everyone episode. is eligible for this one. Um. Let's do this. Just leave a comment, and say. I want in and I'll throw your name in the box. I'll throw your name in the bucket and we'll just pull. We'll pull one, two, and three next episode. 
And that's it. Sound good? Sounds great to me. Okay. This is a little anticlimactic. I have pictures of the witch kit that we've put up. Uh, thank you, Mark Worthling and Pestilence Labs. Find Mark on Facebook. Now this this is um, one of our biggest giveaways so yeah, far. Yeah, it really is. I mean, this is, I mean, that's $300 worth of kit right there. Keep your mind. I forgot. Who won the Sandy? Who won the Sandy again? Do you remember? Oh, oh man, my brain. No. Anyway, when Mark sent us the Sandy, Mark's been so generous to us. Um, Mark sent the Sandy and the witch at the same time. And we opted to hold the witch for our big Christmas extravaganza giveaway here for, uh, there it is. Uh, the only thing I ask is if you already have one, don't enter please because we're not looking for someone to win it, to resell it. We're looking someone to win it that wants it and And wants uh, to build it. Yep. Yep. Please. Please, if you already have one, give someone else a chance. And if you say you want to enter for the other things, then just put that in your entry and we'll figure that out when we do it. Mm-hmm. So, Same okay. with the Young Frankenstein. You already yeah. have the Young Frankenstein. Um, you know, just let us know that too. So like if we draw the first person um, and he's, well, the first person's going to get the witch anyway, unless they have the witch. And then are we going to give them the young Frankenstein? Because there's going to be people that have both. Uh, don't enter, also. please. <laughs> and don't enter. Yeah, if you we'll have send both, you some. We'll, we'll, yeah, don't enter. Just put magazines in. Put but, magazines. Um, <laughs> anyway, that but, that prize box. I'm telling that you're going to be. People are going to be like, oh, the magazines. I'm going to throw something in there that I'm not going to tell anyone, and then you'll see. It'll be worth it. All right, news and reviews. Scott, are you ready? Well, your pictures are in here first. I have a sneak peek of something. You sure do. I do. <laughs> so I mentioned. So you want me to go first, or you're going to go first? Now? I'll go first with this one. I I, I mentioned. I mentioned last week that I like to see some penis on my kit. On my kits, and Mark Worthling has answered the call with this sneak <laughs> preview. Of course, he and is. this is all I can share. But he has a kit coming out that has a wiener. Everyone take your guesses, but it's coming. No pun intended. It's apparently someone's Jewish. Yeah. Uh, hey, look at that. <laughs> uh, take your guesses. I know what it is, but I can't. I have share. a guess, but I might know what it is, so I'll tell yeah, you off. Yeah, yeah, don't don't tell me. I'm live. Anyway, so yes, thank you, Mark. <laughs> I appreciate it. Anatomically correct is always the best way to go. Uh, the next thing I want to share that I finally got printed was from Fra- uh, Fragment. I got my V for Vendetta kit printed. There's the picture, but I got it printed. There's the body. Get the head on there. Um, it's pretty good. It, I had a lot of trouble with the one head for some reason. It has in a pretty, really nice cape that goes with it. Um, but it printed, everything else printed up pretty, pretty, pretty nice. It's it did not come pre-supported, so I kind of had to do that all on my own. We. This is what's cool about printing is capes come out paper thin like they should, but the bad thing is, a lot of times when they do the seam on a cape, it's right in the middle like that. So to putty and get that looking good is going to be, and to get it to hold, and to get it to hold is not going to be fun. So 
other than that, it's pretty good. Like I really like the way it kind of just fits on his shoulder and it's holding a rose really thin bladed knife, which I want to show because again, it's, it's the right thickness. It should be when a lot of times garage kits can't do that and it's brittle. So I want to make sure it doesn't break, but I got that. That's from fragments. V from V for Vendetta, and I'll get that painted up one of these days. I'm thinking you're going to drop that nice. knife on the way back in the box. I know. That's going to be the end. The base is really good, though. I thought the base came out really cool. Yeah, the base turned out great. Um, so that's that. I also, this episode, I bought a garage kit. I want to thank Vince Herman. He was watching the episode last time. He runs Saturn Models LTD, and he heard me mention that I was missing the arms for the Deadly Bite spider kit we shared that they have re-release coming out. And he offered to send me some, but I also, I wanted to buy the Eve kit. So I did. Uh, and it comes with some great directions. Uh, it comes with the picture. comes with that. comes with the jewelry that also goes with the kit. And then the kit itself. An idea. Now, for those of you who, and I don't want to make this a knock on the kit, because it, it isn't. Please don't, anybody take this as a knock. This is very garage kitty. This is when, when it, like, and it's from 99, originally is when it came out. Uh, and it looks like a classic garage kit. The proportions are kind of weird. It's sculpted by an amateur. You can totally tell. And it is just like, if you like garage kits and you're interested in what, like how garage kits were and like, this is a perfect example. And it is a great collector's piece to put in your collection is like, Hey, this is what garage kits used to be. And it's just, it's a, an amazing piece. It ends up really tall. It's got a, a base. Got the demon head that she's holding up. There's lots of great parts. So like, thank you, Vince Herman and Saturn Models. LTD. It's her holding up the demon's head. And she's got the wings. It's a great kit. I love it. And I'm so happy to finally have it in my collection. So thank you, sir. Thanks for sending me the arms as well. I truly do appreciate it. And I can't wait to actually build this one. It'll be fun. <laughs> but you know how that goes. What's wrong with you? So that's all I got this episode for things that I have and found. It's been a weird week. Anyway, Scott, what you got? What have I got? I've, I've got a ton of stuff. Let's just, because I'm fun, pick this up at the local Hallmark store. If you're a Doctor Who fan. Oh, cool. Comes with the batteries. Hit the button. Or if you hit the button, the next time you hit the button, you'll get the theme. Except for the loop on top, it's a displayable piece all year round. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, I picked that up. That was fun. And let's see, what else? What are we going to talk about? Let's talk about our friend, Tony Cipriano. Tony Cipriano. Cipriano. Tony is still nursing a broken motherboard. <laughs> um, he's trying to get it to me to fix for him. He did say it's in bubble wrap and he has a box. So I guess we're two steps closer. <laughs> and 
his friend Aaron Blaze. I think it's Blaze. I got. I hope I pronounce it right. If not, Aaron, I apologize. Um, who Tony works with on this, uh, decided they want to do another um, sculpting in zebra zbrush class, and this one will be making monsters in zbrush with Tony Cipriano. And right now they're running a sale. It's going to be fifty dollars normally. Right now it's twenty five. Don't know how long the sale goes on. It might be over by the Two time. Two more days, day. yeah. yeah. I'm going to try and get this out sooner so that we can get but, it going. Um, you know, if not, you know, keep an eye out. But uh, this looks like a lot of fun. And um, we'll put a link in here for the details where you can go. And if you watch Tony's first class, you know, this one's going to be cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think you can go wrong there. So um, well, and then maybe when... When it comes out, maybe we can get Tony on again to complain about 3D printing and everything else <laughs> he wants to complain about. But uh, we love Tony. Tony's a lot of fun. Next thing I have found, um, and, and the first two things I'm going to talk about here are Aurora-based. The first thing is the original Aurora King Kong's Thronester and then the Polar Lights reissue. Mark Worthling has decided to do some add-on parts for this with his Fay Ray that he did for the Aurora Kong. And if you look at the box art, that's, it's pretty accurate box art. And except for there's a little shifter knob under his right arm. And um, so that's how the kit looks. And Mark had Jeff take the arm and modify it and then add his Fay Ray, which has been recently remolded. I think this set is going to be $30 plus shipping. Okay. I don't know. He's probably going to charge me 50. Hold on. Anyway, yeah, I think it's 30 plus shipping. And um, you can put, you know, and here's some photos of it in the, um, you know, that's that's how the monster sits in the car. And I think this is a cool idea. Yeah, for sure. I'm not a big modifier Aurora kits guy. I am, but it's like, how many times do you want to build them? Um, but this is one set that's uh, really cool. I like it. So I'll pr I get it. I'm on the list. <laughs> the next is, and we mentioned this before, the Aurora Pro Series number one, set of four 1A scale replacement heads for the Aurora models, sculpted by Jeff Yeager. Um, I got these in. My number came up. And uh, yeah, oh, your you number's up? Great. Once, once you have cancer, you don't want to say your number's uh -uh. up. But, um, <laughs> I did get these. Um, and they're really nice. They're really nice. They are small. Um, but And I remember when I was going through my kits doing my inventory and looking at the kits for the first time in a long time, they are small. The Aurora kits are a lot smaller. I've seen so many one-sixth and one-quarter scale kits over the last 30 years. Yeah. I forgot how small the Aurora kits are. So they are actually small, but they're beautiful. And, and, and you get Jeff Yeager's autograph there on the card. Oh, look at that. There you go. So I got those. That was the only thing I've gotten. Um, but I like them. They're really nice. They, All right, they, some stuff you found then. And then there's some stuff I found. This, well, I didn't find this. This got sent to me last night, actually. We got stuff sent to us? Oh, my God. It's a miracle. Yes. And this is uh, John Deary, Monsters from the Woods. 
another Jeff Yeager sculpt. As long as we're on a roll with Jeff, we might as well keep it going here. And this is the Bride of Frankenstein. I believe it's one six scale. I know John don't have a price. He doesn't even have the sculpt in his hand yet. But I thought this was really, I mean, I've seen other Bride of Frankenstein kits, but I do like this one. This is kind of when she takes that first awkward step. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I think Jeff captured that really well. So I've been waiting for a Bride of Frankenstein. I want to try and get one of everything, like one of all mm -hmm. the characters. This is, I think, the one. I like this a lot. Yeah, this, this is really well done. I, and I don't have, believe it or not. Hmm. I don't believe I have a full Bride of Frankenstein kit, other than the... Uh, the box art? The Mobius one and the box art. Yeah. I don't have one this of her nice. and the guy. I like that. I like that post. So I may be picking this up as well. Yeah, that's cool. Good find. Thanks, John Deary, for sending that. I appreciate it. Yep. And then from, of course, our friend Paul Gill, who was out raking leaves. Oh, no, that's bubbly. Uh... You know? Paul Gill is releasing the companion to his big boss kit. And it is called... What's the secret name to this one? The, the secret name, the secret name, the secret word is the Palace Security. <laughs> this is a very limited kit. I love and this it. Is, and this is, uh, but it, it is nice. And yeah. when I was doing this and I pulled up the big boss again, I forgot how nice um, that was too. And these were sculpted by a gentleman named Michael White. And I believe he's from Croatia, Paul told me. Okay. And Paul asked me to look up Internet Movie Database, because um, I guess he's a special effects guy. And I did. And sure enough, What's he here's his on? filmography. Uh, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Solo, A Star Wars Story, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, Rogue One, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, Wrath of Titans. Cool. Um, you know, so there we go. Um, very cool and uh you know so kind of a newcomer there but uh cool nonetheless yeah i like it yep and that's it that that's excellent um, yeah we're gonna zip right through we're gonna this. zip through this today i think <laughs> no we're not um workbench Scott, workbench stories. Workbench stories. Um, Briefly. <laughs> no, I've been printing my duck. And that's taking a while. I've had a couple fails on my 3D printer, but uh, we're working on the duck just to get one printed. So we're working on that. And then Jason and I both decided that resin printing wasn't enough for us. Our friend Jamie Sai turned us on to the fact they were having a sale on this filament printer. With a coupon for a hundred dollars, you could get a Ender Three Pro. And so, like dummies, both of us went out and bought one. And we're still I, still I, playing I, with his. I printed a boat. <laughs> yeah, and the rest of his prints are singing. Yeah. And it's for fun. those of you interested, from from what I'm seeing, I can't speak from experience just yet because I haven't built mine. Of course. But it's mint in box, like everything. Box. So I printed. I started building mine as soon as I got it. 
Yeah. Well, and one thing we learned is there's a ton of upgrades for it to buy. So I think we probably both spent about a hundred dollars in upgrades for the printer. I know I've spent more, I think. But that being said, if we bought the printer with all these upgrades, we would have spent about what three hundred and yeah, it was a good deal. So if anyone follow, if you want, if you're interested, it's the beginner entry level kind of three D filament printer, uh, Creality Ender Three Pro. Uh, they have sales at Micro Center. It's usually a hundred dollars off, and then there's a coupon, which for a hundred dollars off, which brings it down to ninety nine dollars. And it's a great way to just kind of figure what the and hell. That, Let's that jump coupon's in only it. good till December fifth. So yeah. if you watch this and want one. Jason maybe should post a link as to how to sign up for that coupon. I don't even know how. I don't think I signed up for the coupon. (laughs) I I did. I signed up. We'll we'll get it. We'll we'll try to get the link. and Or just uh, head over to Micro Center and join their mailing list. I think that's how you do it. Yeah. So anyway, that's what we did it. And then we went back to get some stuff and found a bullet in the parking lot. Found a bullet in the parking lot and uh, a spell. Not a bullet. I'm sorry. A shell casing. Shell casing. And then they were selling uh, Screen Sperry. What? Screen Sperry. S-P-A-R-Y. Instead of, you know, here's here's all these. Of course, Scott likes to point out everyone's mistakes, and he had to do it at the store as well. Screw them. Yeah. (laughs) Bunch of of computer guys with big old degrees, and they can't spell spray. Come on. Uh, As far as uh, everything else... For me, Workbench, it's been, I've been ripping apart the entire room. You notice there's a new addition here. This will not always look like this. Uh, I had to buy another Workbench. So now I have the Workbench, 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 Workbench. And it's, I was out of room. I'm still out of room. So it's been crazy. It's been a week of trying to just get stuff in order. Where'd you get that Workbench behind you there? Harbor Freight, 100 bucks. Wow. I'll take how a picture from the other together? side. How, how was that to put together? Oh, I knew this was coming. It sucked. It sucked. Mm-hmm. The directions were wrong. Luckily, you have me. I had to go out in the garage and take pictures of mine. The directions were wrong. <laughs> anyway. I forbid you look at the picture on the box. Any the other box time, in the garage. you're looking at the picture. <laughs> Any other time, you're looking at the picture. This time, you decide, I'm going to follow directions. And here we go. Anyway, so new workbench. I'm working. Anyway, that's the workbench this episode. It's been a mess. Our guest this episode, Scott, is Terry J. Webb. We figured we'd have Terry come on, tell some more stories, and give us an update on the magazine, the digital magazine amazing figure modeler and he did that terry never disappoints with his (laughs) insight stories and inappropriateness is that his unique um (laughs) descriptions let's put it that yes so everybody enjoy terry j webb the chronicles continue and here we are with terry j webb thank you for joining us terry how are you sir uh, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me back. Love being yeah. on you guys' show. Third time's a charm, hopefully. This is three is times more, already. Is it three times or is this four? Three. Uh, three. Do we count Wantafest? Were you on for that? I don't even know. Anyway, how are things? New issue is out. How'd that go? Yes. Uh, it's kind of going slow the way I expected. It's got a military slant to it. So anyone that loves, you know, Universal Monsters is probably going to avoid it 
like a vampire voice uh, garlic, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I oh. bought it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of work, but it was fun. I like expanding the horizons. I'm always trying to get away from, you know, the tried and true forms because after like 27 years of doing it, you know, I mean, it's, I got to do it to keep uh, my head in the game. Yeah. And it's, I think, worth a shot to try new stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, it was late. Do you want to talk to people about why? What happened? Anything? Yeah, it's just the usual thing, you know, trying to hook up when, you know, when you do the military themes, a lot of the guys that I work with, you know, you're just, there's just nothing there. You're not going to get them to do anything. So I had to work with some new guys and, you know, some stuff didn't work out. Other stuff took longer than whatever, you know, like Dave Prosser's articles, just this epic piece on the Red Baron. Yeah. And his was late in coming. You know, Steve took, you know, he had a big project on his, the the Hulk versus the Abrams tank. So <laughs> it's just the usual life gets in the way, you know, life got in the way on my end of things. So yeah. Know, another day at AFM. That's what it know? feels like this whole year is life getting in the way of everything. So Terry, I noticed there's um in this issue, and I don't know if it was the last issue, you can click on ads and stuff and it'll link you to websites. Right. And I know there's some videos there too. Um, I think they were just more beauty shots. They weren't really how-to videos, but they were beauty shots, you know. So, you know, it's evolving. You know, it's going to, I, you know, I imagine it's going to slowly evolve. So, you know, my word to everyone would be, you know, give it some time. It, 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 it can evolve into more, but this is new territory. You know? Yeah, and a lot of people I work with, they're not up. They don't have cameras. They don't have the microphones. You know, I haven't done any of that. So it's a big switch. That is the ultimate goal is to start doing video articles and video video reviews and even like video show reviews or whatever, you know, or maybe get someone to film their collection. But uh, we're starting off this baby steps because the platform that we have, we have to watch it. You can't overload it and, you know, give an issue to people and they can't click on it. The links don't work or whatever. So we're trying to get mm -hmm. that worked out. We're probably going to need uh, more space or whatnot, but it's just a slow transition. These are like our baby steps. And then eventually we're going to be taking walking strides and then, you know, we're going to get into the whole running of things. So yeah, people hang in with us. They should see it, you know, slowly just transform as it were. Yeah, And I noticed the second issue uh, in a row that the model club TV ad is on the last page. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say, you hey. save, save the best for last. That's yeah. the way we hey. look at nice it. Save. No, nice save. Hey, no mention anywhere else in the magazine. <laughs> Third time on, you know, Hey, that's okay. We're no, but real. I also told you guys to get me that plug. I do the do the plug for you to get you more of an audience, you know, because you guys, that's the other thing. I mean, you guys are, I think you're Who's probably following? getting close to 30 episodes, correctly. Uh, if we're at 35. This is 36. Six. Yeah. 36. Um, <clears throat> Who's getting phone calls? Terry. Oh, Terry? that's me. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I will say that David uh, gave us a nice plug in the website. Oh, absolutely. Um, After you guys, you and him came on. And he put a link up to the website. So that was cool. Thank you we for that. If you guys start yeah, taking got, off some clothes, maybe you get a little more play. It so, is amazing figure, by the way, gentlemen. Yeah, that, well, this is not an amazing figure on both of our accounts. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, <laughs> it's a work in progress, gentlemen. That's Remember? true. Right. That <laughs> is true. <laughs> I, I actually had some people reach out to me asking how to get into the magazine, asking me questions. Yeah. And, well, like, that's the thing. If you'd like, like to cover people, that, like submissions, like if, if people want to yeah. send stuff in, what do they do? 
Well, for years, it's always been seen as this elite modeling club. And like I tell everybody, my number's out there. I go to these shows. Call me up with what you're doing. Tell me what you're doing. That's the main thing. We never hear from people until after, like, an, like I'm expecting any day now, someone coming up with a killer military article of pterodactyls, you know, attacking a biplane <laughs> or something and going, oh, man, check it out. You know, you guys could run this. And I'm like, well, yeah, it would have worked great in our military issue. <laughs> You know, so I'll have to sit on it for another two years. But but yeah, people check in if they got something interesting or if they even think they have an interesting angle. It, you don't even have to do it. You just checked in and said, hey, I got this uh, cousin that does these amazing dioramas or whatever. And then, you know, just point point us in a direction. We Is do it, it better but, to contact you or Dave? No, it's better to contact me because I'm like the traffic cop at the intersection. I direct all this stuff and I'm the one that comes up with the themes. I'm the one that comes up with the angles figuring out if we got too much, do we have, an, you know, not enough. And, okay. uh, and then the whole time it's just this ebb and flow of something's going to work and all of a sudden it drops out. And then I have to do you, and I've called you for the, you know, the Hail Mary save article. <laughs> yeah. oh, yes, many times. <laughs> yeah. So, so if people just reach out to me, either email, you know, which I'm sure you list that. Or, yeah, I'll put it up. You know, they can call me on the phone, you know, numbers listed in every issue. It's on our website. I mean, Jesus Christ, I'd tattoo it on my ass <laughs> if I thought it would help. You know, and everyone's but, gonna see it there, that's for sure. Yeah. So. I think it would help. I, I, I think it would help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's have that article. You know, Mike. Well, then I'll, I'll wear the shorts that'll display it. Have a cutout <laughs> for you there. You know, I'll show it to you at the next Wonderfest show. Yeah. So I but think yeah, if they just touch base. You know, I'm always open to ideas. I work with a lot of people. And then, you know, the other thing is, you know, Jason, if if, they, if I can't get them in an upcoming issue or the current one, I always have something in my head that like, look, you know, we'll, we'll set, we'll set our sights on this down the road. For sure. Uh, we're mm -hmm. running into, I think we're running on the same path a little bit when it comes to some right. stuff. Um, we're trying to get people to send in stuff for us to share out and it's hard. And I think you told us this before. But it's harder than I thought it would be to get people to send us kit information, stuff coming out. We kind of have to scour Facebook yep. to try and get yeah. it. And we're, we have nowhere the reach that AFM has. We, I'm fully aware of that. But can you speak to that? Are people Has that kind of gone down for you, stayed the same? Are people still sending you stuff for reviews, um, for kits? Well, again, it's without getting into the history of the hobby. You know, back in the day, you know, I tell people this and they always, you know, a lot of people just don't realize it because it's not happening now. But back in the day, you had people like Kitcraft, you know, you had Monsters in Motion, Puff and Stuff, Village Comics, Stalin Hobby, New England Resident Vinyl, Q-Box. I mean, I could just keep going on and on and on. There was that market where people, middlemen, were selling the kits. Yeah. So it was in everyone's benefit to do it. Well, that whole mantra from the 90s has been pushed out. It's been replaced by the, the dude, you know, working out of his garage with one single mold with the goal, I just want to sell 10, 20, 30, whatever gets me to the next gas station. And I've always thought that was asinine because when you do a kit like that and someone sees it years after it's been done, first thing they're going to want is, I never heard of that. I'd like to get it. Well, good luck. You, good luck finding a kit that there's 20 or 30 existing. But that's what these guys are doing now. They're, they're not really concentrating on having a kit line and making it available for years for the people that come, you know, late in the hobby or for the people that just can't afford it for a year or two, whatever it is. So then, you know, the next thing you know, that kit's sold out. 
unobtainable. The next thing you know, it goes for good money or the recasters come in. And I'm looking at this like, you know, if you're going to make a kit, I mean, there are thousands of modelers out there. Not that every kit's going to sell thousands. It's, it's rare right. on a resin kit that does do that. But I've always said that any average kit should be upwards to 100, 100 castings. Because otherwise, why are you doing the kit is my question. If you're only going to do 10 copies to be the elite guy that has 10 of this or 10 of that, you know? And some guys actually go to shows. It's used as a sales technique. There's a couple guys I can think of that go to Louisville and they say, hey, everybody, you know, a week out, I've got this rare Batman kit, you know, and there's only going to be 10 of them. And then everyone goes there, you know, and tries to secure it. And then within six months or a year or whatever, they're re-releasing the thing at whatever. And I'm just like, it's very, it's very disingenuous how a lot of these guys release some of these things. And I'm like, I, the kits that I do, I can only speak about myself. I, I try, you know, I'm down on my kits because everything got taken away from me. But uh, before that, I just, I would run the molds for two, three years until it died down, put it away, bring it back out after a couple of years. And I think everyone should do that. It's a smart, it's a smart play. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I don't like the term retired. Um, if you want to say, I thought you were going to say something know. else that I was going to no, well, <laughs> no, but, and and it's, it's like you said too, you're leaving money on the table. Okay. Right. Never say retired, never say never, because, <clears throat> you know, it, it's, there's always going to be a chance somebody gets the rights and reissues something 10 years later. Right. Um, and that's yeah. a very viable thing. There's <clears throat> one guy I can think in the hobby. I always say the old kids don't die. They just go to Scott Kelly's warehouse. <laughs> he's bought up a zillion defunct kits you know? yes he really and, has uh, but that's the other thing when you look like one of the classic examples is sex on the beach if you're familiar with that kit mm -hmm. that thing's been passed around like a cheap bottle of wine too i bet you six seven maybe more dealers <laughs> who have had that kit and that's a good example that, that it is a beautiful kit it's a nice generic nude women cut you know quarter scale and that thing literally will sell as long as there are guys modeling you know it'll just keep selling so if you keep it out there but the problem is this i think these guys are artists they're creative they don't want to keep remolding the same shit over and over and that gives them the justification in their head hey man how many times can i do this you know an Osferatu kid or whatever and i'm like well are you in this to help the hobby make a product and, and make some money so you can keep doing this or are you just in to do this you know, right. just this little short run thing. And then it creates all these problems down the road. But you wouldn't know that unless you're a guy looking for that said kit, which everybody is. Well, let me ask you this, though. If we go back to the early, early days of the garage kit hobby that only a few of us can. Do we have didn't to? it kind of start out that, that you would, um, if you did produce something, you were kind of producing it because you wanted it. And if I produce enough to break even, that's cool. You know, and it morphed into more of a business thing. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's almost morphing back. Well, it's, it's, it, you hit it on the nail on the head. In the early days, you know, you could do any character and there was no competition. Mm -hmm. And then I think I brought this up one other time, but this is just one little microcosm that I remember happening. There's a dude out in California named Ringle Sin. He was the guy I remember had come out with this generic man kit. There was another cat down in Florida. I forget his name. Nightlife. He came out with his. Yep. Nightlife Productions. Yeah. John somebody. Yeah. 
I think yeah. his name was. Can't remember. He's been out of the game for years and years and years. But he'd come out. So the one guy kind of attacked the other dude like, hey, I kind of like discovered this flavor first. And, but, but again, it's, it's an idea out there. It's like trademark marking the word the or something. So I had to watch these guys go back and forth. And I think it played out in Kit Builders magazine. But they went back and forth arguing over, you know, who came first, the chicken or the egg. And I was just <laughs> kind of like, they're both great ideas. And they were both, you know, well done. But I remember the, 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 the Ringle Sin guy. He, he had submitted it in. And which, again, that's another thing. When you, when you put your magazine into, like, say, this program or to a kid show, we document this shit. This was my whole thing in this hobby. Back in 88, some guy called me up and told me that, he had sculpted this kit, and I knew he was a liar. I knew the guy who actually did the kit. That got me thinking, hey, if someone doesn't start documenting this stuff, it's all going to be hearsay and all this you know, bravado revisionist history, which you are seeing nowadays. I'm starting to see that. And I've had to dig into the files to prove to people certain things didn't go the way that they remembered them. But when that happened, if you remember, do you remember the fights that would start when someone would be doing a Predator kit and then another guy came out? who had started it and accused the guy that announced his predator kit is you stole my idea, my thunder. I was going to do a predator kit, but now that you've got one and that's how, you know, uh, weird it was back then that no <laughs> one could really do anything once because in the beginning you could do any character you wanted. So yeah, it, it started out as that, but then the money came in right around the 94 to 97 where everyone got in, including the big manufacturers where you had AMT and you had testers. I mean, these guys were doing resin kits and vinyl kits, you know, uh, yep. monogram the, or Ravel, the, yep. I'm sorry, was, was one of them. That was the big cash grab where people were just like, you know, like they were doing predators that had boobs and they were milking predator children. And I was yeah. just like, wow, <laughs> character selection is just really <clears throat> amped up there, you know? You just hit on one of my. It was for the love of it, for the hobby, and the love of the characters. You hit on my biggest pet peeve in the hobby, which is putting boobs on a predator. (laughs) There is no way, if you look at the predator's mouth, it could suck on a nipple. And I hate it. Oh, it it would suck it dry. It would take it off. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) There's no lips there. Anyway. But but that was the whole thing. At once. Everyone had like a cash grab. Like if you just look at the evolution of the hobby, we all grew up with monsters. When the hobby started, it was 100% basically monsters. No superheroes, no chicks, no any of that stuff. Everyone yeah. had been pent up watching these movies for decades. And so the monster craze came. And then, you know, eventually girls started coming in, you know, uh, comic book characters did. And then, you know, in the back in the day, I was the dude championing original kits. And you know, a lot of people won't remember this, but my first book that, even to this day, it's one of my favorite kits. It was The Tree Demon by Robert Kurtzman. That was an original design that was supposed to be uh, for a movie. It never got made. But to me, it was just an original design. You yeah. know? And I told everybody, even back then, that that's the, his- that's the future of the hobby in the original kits. Because you, know, you can see what happens when the complacency sets in. We've, we're seeing it right now. In this 3D printing world, there's a lot of original designs out there. Yep. A ton of them. And it's because these guys don't have molding and casting costs. They sell files and you print them yourself or you pay someone to print them for you. Yep. But there's a lot 
of original stuff out there. Yeah. As well, there should be because it's creative process and everything. And again, mm -hmm. how many Frankensteins or Nosferatu's or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever character that popular that you want to throw at me, you know, it gets to the point where if you're if you're a long timer in the hobby, you will get bored with those choices. And you're going to look at, you know, like, well, if you like superheroes, maybe you'd find something that's an original design. It's like, wow, this is you know, this is interesting. I like this. Which, how many that's what i think this hobby needs how many people do you think are in the garage kit pool in the u.s i mean i again it's it's like everything jason with gray areas you know i know in in the hobby itself there's guys i know that don't build squat they just like peeping into the the, the hole to look <laughs> And that guy, right they there. love talking about the hobby that and they like, right you know, there. they go to Louisville <laughs> and they like going there and everything. Right. And, but at the same time, if you ask them what they built, like this is, this has happened with my writers through the years, you know, people would go in there and they would drop several grand. They walk out, you know, just stacked with, with, with stacks of kits. Then it would be, you know, they'd have whatever. And then it get down to maybe it was like one or two, like, well, like it's Louisville. I got to buy a kit. As of late, and I'm sure you can see it. I don't think anyone will argue with me. There's nothing new, new. When you go to Louisville, the shit's been posted from conceptual point to from suggestion point to, hey, uh, here's my selection of the artist to, hey, everybody, here's the concept art. And then yeah. all of a sudden, now the thumbnails start coming and whatever. And then the progression, here's the leg, here's this. By the time a kit comes out, at least for me, it's it's like Jesus. I think it felt like I built and painted that thing, you know, three months ago. <laughs> and so by the time it comes out, you know, I tell everybody there's a reason Christmas is special. It's once a year. But if you sit there and did all this stuff and crammed Christmas down your throat, which they do, and why I ignore Christmas, <laughs> then Christmas is ruined when it finally comes. And it's to me on the on the kit things. The last guy that did it, I think, and and he's like an, a, a more of an older school guy was Mike Allen with Forbidden Zone. You know, we went out to uh, Jersey Fest, and this was recently, and it was his um, the hammer kit with the um, the Cushing and the um, oh, uh, uh, getting strangled the by uh, yeah, Mr. the Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah, yes, he didn't tell anybody about that, and I was sitting there lamenting that, and he goes, "Oh, I got a surprise for you," and when he went there, guess who was the belle of the ball? No one knew, it. and it was like, "Wow." And it got people talking and whatever. And that would be one thing I'd say to these guys is everyone is so worried about showing stuff and cramming it down your throat. And it, to me, it's, it's just overkill because back in the day, you know, we only had letters and, and, and phone calls and the magazines in the show. So there was a big gap. There's a big anticipation period, a big buildup of, oh, what's new? And to all the people that go to Louisville now, one of the things they miss out on the older shows we used to go around at uh, Friday night. We'd be up to like three or four in the morning. And we'd just go around at Chiller at Louisville. I did it out in California. I did it down in Florida, Boston, Chicago. You'd go and you'd see what the guys had. That was, it was new, new. And you got like a little sneak preview of it. And everyone would mm -hmm. be talking and stuff. And then when you went to the show, people just freaked out. And when after the show, that's all they talked about was the new releases. Have I you think, guys seen that in I, years? Well, I yeah. think Yoshi's really good at that because he's not here he's right. one of the guys that'll still show up with something really like remember the rat fink scott when he had it on his table everyone's like holy yeah. cow look at this yeah, where'd that come from yeah so he's one of the few people that i think still do that and it's just by right. like
you just don't know what he's coming with. So right. but, it's crazy. But yeah, to get back to your question, though, you know, on the submissions and everything, you know, I kind of cracked up because we were talking on the phone. And I was just like, yeah, welcome to my lament. <laughs> I mean, I've heard from people for years and years. They're like, I don't get it, Terry. Why, why don't they send stuff in? Don't they realize the value of free publicity? And I'm like, well, what's happened is through the years, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people back in the day, I mean, we reviewed hundreds of kids. And but all that time it was going on, there was always a resistance to submitting in kits because it, it took more of a, like a, a personal um, pettiness where people were saying, well, why do I have to send them a free kit? They started to like, you know, like not attaching any value to having mm -hmm. it into a magazine or some other public place that would promote it all under the guise. All you had to do was send it in, you know, and people yeah. were like, that kit's. You know, I'm not sending in a $300 kit just to get a small picture in the magazine. And they, that's what they were equating. And I was like, man, the people that were like that, they just weren't businessmen. They were hobbyists. Do you have any horror stories from reviews? Sending people <laughs> sending stuff? <laughs> yeah. Is your, you got enough tape on that? Oh, yeah, we, got it. we got it. Okay. Although people All are right. complaining we're going too long. So we're, we're going to. All right. <laughs> we'll, well, okay. No. I'll tell you. Uh, offhand, yes, I got I, I got a shitload of stories about stupid submission things or whatever. But I love stupid stories. <laughs> all right, so but these are funny too. They're they're Even kind better. of ironic. But so I guess the first one I'll tell you about would be uh, okay. So I have I had this rule, and I would tell all the writers that were up for reviewing and whatever. I go listen, you do it how you see fit. And but but if I see you getting too crazy with something, I will edit you. But I didn't ever want to edit anyone's reviews because that's their opinion, and I'm trusting them because you know they're writing for the magazine. It's just not some open thing we do on the street. So I would just say I did the fifty-fifty rule. If there was five good things you could say about it, and five bad things, then it equaled out. But if it was more bad things you were going to say about the kit, I never wanted to publicly humiliate somebody, even though I would have been have every right to do it. I would go to those people and say, listen, the bottom line is this. I don't think your kit's very good. And I think we're better off if we show it in the it section, because if you ask my honest opinion, because that's what it's all about. You know, I'm not going to sit there and shill for somebody that has a lackluster kit and then have the reputation because that's what I knew would happen. Yeah. So so I guess the first one I could start off with, I thought it was funny. It's, it, I'll try to tell as quick as I can. Oh, no, you you're good. Uh, and I'll I'll tell you what too on all this stuff I'll try to take screenshots of this stuff so right. at least your viewers because this doesn't work without images or words what I'm going to tell you but <laughs> it is absolutely true so I remember at issue 36 uh, that was AFM 36 it was a silent horror issue I remember this like it was yesterday uh, there was a gentleman that started a company up and his name was um, James uh, <laughs> uh, Whitman so James comes up with this idea kit calling he's going to do kits. And he gets in, he does, uh, he makes these two kits. His very first two kits were these generic little mini busts. And I think he went and did like 120 castings of each, which was a huge mistake because he was getting this done over in China and he didn't really do any uh, R&D on the whole thing. He just went and did it. And then he calls me up and he's like, hey, Terry, got some new kits. I'd like you to re you know review. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So he sends them. And I was like, James, I was like, dude, I cannot review these. And he's like, why not? And I go, James, they're terrible. <laughs> and so he's like, well, that's a problem for me. So 
James was one of the rare few that took the, the viewpoint that bad publicity, there's no such thing as bad publicity. <laughs> and I was like, James, I really don't want to be put in this position. He goes, Terry, you don't understand. He goes, I got 120 of each of these. They're not selling. And he goes, I got to do something. And I go, dude, I really don't want to do it. And he goes, Terry, I insist. And I was like, Ugh. I go, James, I go, you're really asking for it. And he goes, he goes, Terry, he goes, you're a fair man. I trust you. He goes, have at it. I said, all right. So when it came in, I was like, shit. So that one was a scarecrow and the other one was this generic reaper type dude. So I thought, okay, so I called up Mike Felsigna and I said, listen, Mike, I said, I need uh, a little help here. And I think Jason was busy or didn't answer the phone, but I called up Mike Felsigna and he said, okay, I'll do one. Not having seen the kit or anything. So I went and I did the review and, uh, and I, I called a spade a spade. And then issue, this issue 36 was overnighted for the Louisville show. So I forget what year this is. But if you look in issue 36, you can actually read the, the review. So when the first person I see at the show is James. So I call him over and this was like Saturday morning and it was like setup time. James come over and I, I said, James, I said, come over here. I want I want to, I go, come <laughs> over. I want to talk to you. So he comes over, he forgets about the whole thing. And so my thought was, all right, he forced me to do this. So I'm going to make him, he's going to be the first one to read it. So that way, there would be no one calling him up and saying, you know, he, he can, he's going to hear it directly from the horse's mouth, right? Call him over. I said, James, take a seat. And he goes, oh, I don't like the sound of this. He <laughs> reads the thing. It takes 90 seconds. He looks at me, goes, Terry, it's absolutely a fair review. Thank you very much. So the funny thing was this. He comes over uh, later, later in the day Saturday, and he just goes, listen. He goes, Terry, he goes, I want to thank you for your honesty and all this. He goes, he goes, I did this. He goes, I sent those to the magazines. And I go, I go, yeah, what'd they say? And he goes, well, you know what? He goes, I'll never know. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I, he goes, I just went over to Dan Jorgensen, Dan and Barb's table at Kid Builders. And he says, hey, I got my uh, new AFM. They had a new issue there too. And he, and he sent these kits all out at the same time. Well, unbeknownst <laughs> to me, the other guy that had sent out kits was um, – Oh, uh, Paul, um, uh, he, he did the, um, the tingler. I can't think of his name right now. We I mean, got uh, him in the Paul, uh, issue. Sh Shiola he's, or something. Yeah. Or? Paul, Paul Shiola. Yeah. Okay. And he, he's, he was doing his, his resin kit thing. So he did this big long kit of the tingler and he had submitted it at the same time. So James tells me coming right from the kit builders table that they said that they never got any kits from him. But then James called him out on it because James and Paul were good friends. Paul, Paul, you know, they, they did do, uh, they, they got the Tingler in. So Paul had asked about the Tingler because it never appeared in their magazine. So James told me, he goes, Terry, I just want you to know that I sent you those kits and you were a straight shooter with me. He goes, there was no bullshit. And he goes, you were a man of your word and you did what you did. He goes, I dealt with those clowns. He said that they said that they never got the kits. And I go, James, well, that's the perfect excuse because I said, I guarantee you, they thought the same thing I did of them. And then he said that, well, okay, so you didn't get them. And he says, well, then why don't you review Paul's kit? Because he knew they got Paul's kit because Paul went over and asked him why his Tingler wasn't reviewed. They told Paul that they gave the Tingler kit to a TV host, which I'm thinking is 
because um, the only Sven one Mooley. I can think of is Sven Gulli. Yeah. They said that they knew a guy who had a TV <laughs> horror show, and Sven Gulli wasn't nationalized back at the back at this time. Yeah. I think he was just local. Yeah, over here, yep. in your area. About <laughs> that. Yeah. So he says that they they gave that kit to Sven Gulli because Sven Gulli would reach far more people with. It. Actually, I think I've seen it on the show. <laughs> yeah, it uh, might have been. I don't know, but I, I just thought I've it was it in ironic. The background on there. That I didn't want to deal with that. So that was the one with that. Now, there was another one that happened. Well, I got to quote you here. After reviewing kits for nearly 20 years, <laughs> maybe I'm being a bit harsh on this release, as I'm sure it'll appeal to some folks out there. However, I still firmly believe that when you produce original kits such as this, you've got to bring more to the table if you expect to attract the attention of modelers who generally like to buy kits of more recognizable characters. And that was the um, the Harvest Terror. Yeah, now, that was a Harvest full kit. And you could have had me hooked up to a lying machine. I mean, I do that with everything. I mean, there's, no, w- w- there's nothing there that's wrong. Like, that's 100% true. If you're going to make an original kit, it better be amazing, or you're going right. to miss out on stuff. Yeah, but there's people out there that would read that and go, you know, like, you know, and, and just not look at the facts of the matter. Like, I did not want to do that because I know there's people out there going, well, geez, look at them. They're, they're like they're picking on, a, you know, they're ripping the wings off a fly or something, you know, because <laughs> I don't want don't to beat up somebody because, you know, I've always had this uh, this in my head when I got into this hobby. If you either of you guys sculpted something, not your digital stuff, but if you go and sculpt something, you know, it's also it's like making that. uh that old ashtray that has the clamshell in it for mom when you're in second grade. You know, the thing is the most hideous that's, thing. That's my job, Terry. Don't, don't yeah. ruin my job, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but some kid made that. And if mom right. would throw that away or whatever, the kid would be crushed. And yeah. I always kind of thought that the, these kids that the guys do, that's like their, their kid. So if you're going to sit there and say, yeah, your kid sucks. You know, that's more or less like saying, you know, your your daughter's ugly or whatever. Good luck in the beauty pageant. <laughs> you know, so yeah, but you know the 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 con to that is, and and I've seen it on the clubhouse, and right. oh, I've seen it on Facebook. You've seen it everywhere. Is you know, so you'll see guys like just slap some paint on shit. I remember seeing a creature from the Black Lagoon that like I can't even remember who painted it, and if he watches, I'm sorry, but. It had all kinds of oh, different color. This is the dots. hate mail episode. It was like all crazy. And I'm thinking to myself, and people are like, but what got me is the people that are going on there going, yeah, it looks great, man. Yeah, that's a good concept. That's great. And it's like, what you're promoting mediocrity. And Steve and I used to talk about this all the time is the unfortunate thing is without the ability to be honest, are you promoting mediocrity? Because then that's what you get, you know? You don't get people trying harder. I remember when we went to that um, hobby expo, uh, which was all the miniature stuff. Jason and I went there, and there were a bunch of other guys that we knew there. I think Norbert was there, and George was there. And I was blown away by the work these guys do. And I came back, and I said something on the clubhouse to the effect of, man, we got to up our game. And, man, there were guys that got upset about it. You know, and it's like, and it's like, I'm sorry, but. The truth is the truth, okay? You know, yeah, Wonderfest gets 700 model kits or whatever entered, but sometimes, you know, you look at the quality and you go, oh, you know. I mean, but good for the guys that enjoy the hobby and don't care that much. And I mean, that's, you know, so, yes. You know, 
that's the other side of it. The other side of like, yeah. And this is kind of what I tell my kids at school is I'm a very much a process guy when it comes to art is art for me at school art and model kids are different is process. I'm teaching kids patience. I'm teaching kids how to mix colors, how to do all this stuff, how to use clay, that sort of thing. If you're a guy that likes to just sit down and build models and you're just painting it because you're trying to like, just, it's a hobby, right? Who cares what it looks like in the end? But if you're going to put that up online and you don't say, Hey man, I'm just slapping some paint together. And if you're bringing that thing to a contest and it's just a slap some paint together thing, that's not okay. Like you should expect to be, and then you're upset that you got a merit or nothing. It's I, well, that changes it from just having fun on a weekend to expecting Mm -hmm. something. And that's the big gray area, Jason, I would say is that, yeah, it's fine just to goof around and do whatever. But at the same time, you know, the kits cost a lot. And after you do something for a while, you would just normally expect to get better. I tell all the guys that are fumbling and whatever, I got a saying, it always cracks them up. And I'm like, listen, dude, building kits, you know, it's, it's, it's no different. You know, the more you build, the better you get. I said, it's no different than riding a bike or having sex. You're going to get good at it if you do it long enough. And you will get to that point where you have a confidence level. And that's where a lot of guys, they're missing, which comes back to our class. That's what I'm trying to instill. I always joke, our model class is nothing but a, a, a fluffing session for the weekend. Because I want those guys to, to go to the contest pumped up like, hey, man, look, I, I blended these colors. I've done the shadowing. I've painted eyes. I'm like, I'm with, I'm with the other guys. I can be <laughs> accepted now, you know, because that's what everybody wants. Yeah, you know, true. I think at the end of the day, but it, it's how you approach it. And then, but getting back to the reviews, it's how you critique it. I don't want to push these guys away, but at the same time, I don't want to condone, you know, mediocrity. I got this quick little story. We we're over in Japan. True story. You can ask David Fisher. You don't believe me. <laughs> we're sitting in the back of a cab and I'm looking out the window and this dude pulls up and he's got a Kawasaki team jacket on. And I'm looking at the thing, and it's all written in English and everything. And it says, and I kid you not, we strive for meteorocracy. <laughs> and I'm laughing my ass off because, you know, they don't have a firm grasp of the words over there. I'm sure yeah. they were, it should have said, <laughs> we're striving for excellence. But they had that. And we had this joke about that, that when we saw people, you know, doing, you know, less below par modeling, and then all these people heaping praise on it. And it's like, Yes, you should encourage them, but at the same time, I mean, you know, should you shouldn't bitch slap them because their skin looks glossy. You should just critique them in right. in, a, in a, a polite way and say, "Look, you're doing good here, but you can do better." You have and to as learn long from as you things. Present yep. it that way. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully they're going to get the message and not flip you off and send you some, you know. <laughs> well, if they want to get better, some guys are just happy where they're at, and I right. get that too. Okay, yeah. and I always, I always tell everyone i said these guys enjoy the hobby more than i do i got a basement full of unbuilt kits <laughs> they got right. shelves full of built kits maybe they're not built to david fisher level but they've got a shelf full of built kits i don't right okay but i also look at when i first got into this my first wonderfest in 95 as soon as i started looking around i said i'm buying these super deforms from mike parks I spent about 100 bucks at his table and i said these are good practice pieces, man. These are good fuck around who really cares what they look like right. so that if I get to a, you know, here's this 
screw around Frankenstein, if I get to a Billiken or a Horizon at that time, then I can, you know, hone in and do a better job, hopefully. Speaking of which, did you finish that Godzilla yet, Scott? Whatever. Well, it should be a stepping stone thing, because I get guys come up to me all dejected, and I'm like, okay, show show me your horror story. So they got a predator. It's their first kit. I'm like, look, dude, start with Batman. Start with whatever <laughs> yeah. simple. And I, I always use this analogy. Yep. Steps have 12 steps. Take them one at a time. You don't ever bound a flight of steps in one thing. You're going to fall on your ass every single time, <laughs> you know? So, but hey, another quick story I want to tell you to get back um, to the submissions. This this is not happened because usually when, when I tell somebody, you know, and in the history of the magazine, I probably sent back about, maybe 15 kits and i just you know i politely tell them look can't do it sometimes they insist like like james did but then sometimes it gets ratcheted up way more than that so this next story (laughs) concerns a good friend of mine his name's john apgar and he does posthumous productions and he started getting into rock and roll kits in the in the early days he's one of the first guys started doing all that and right now he's like pretty much the only guy has a complete rock and roll line which is great but not all of them were great. And one of those ones that wasn't great. So he'd come up and he did this, the kit release was called the Glimmer Twins. And it was Mick Jagger and it was, um, oh, um, Keith Richards. Keith Richards. So he does this kit. I'm well aware of it. And it is a train wreck six ways from Sunday. I mean, Mick Jagger is like, like this is from, I think the early eighties, the, the, the time of it and everything. But, but Mick Jagger is has the microphone and he's he's bent over and he's like belting out a number. And the problem is he looks like that that old fat dude in that slow motion footage that's taken cannonball <laughs> in slow motion to the stomach. And he's like doubled over in pain. And then you have Keith Richards, who is just this wooden effigy standing there. It's got a cigarette headband on, and it just looks like it was carved by an aborigine out of a coconut <laughs> shell down in New Zealand or something. And it was brutal, man. And, you know, Al Raboro, God love him, God rest his soul, he, he did a lot of good stuff, but humans wasn't his thing. So he does this. It's clearly John's weakest kit. And he comes over to a show, and he gives it to me. And I'm like, dude, I ain't reviewing this. And he's like, why not? You know, he's from New York. He's just, call him Fast John. He's, he's a fast talker. He's a great guy. But he's like, what, what's wrong with it? And I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? I said, I will absolutely devastate you. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to pick on the special needs kid. Thank you very much. It's just not going to happen. He says, no, no. He says, I need a review. And I go, no, no. I just get that, get that thing off my table. Yeah. So By the way, send the letters to Terry Webb at AFM. <laughs> the following week, guess what he does? He mails it to me. Like, Son of a bitch. So I call him up. John, you dumbass. I said, it's coming back to you. He's like, I need you to review that. I said, dude, I'm not doing it. So I pack it up, waste about 12 bucks, ship it back to him. <laughs> he turns around, sends it to me again. Well, by this time, I catch him at another show and I drop it off to him. So he's had it with me, and I'm we're both at each other's ends because I am not doing it. Dave's in complete agreement. I mean, anyone who looks at that kit and can't see it just does not have eyes. I was not going to do it. I was going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. John was, instead of saying, hey, I'm stuck with this, and I really need you know any promotion, even bad promotion is good promotion, he was just in hell-bent on making me do it. So 
after I finally give it to them, it's probably about another six months. Well, in doing the magazine, I was always aware of our competitors. I, I, I subscribed to all of them. I bought them all or I did trades with them or whatever. So I got a complete run of everyone's magazine. So in Modeler's Resource, the next issue that comes out, I'm sitting there going through it. Well, there was a, a columnist that Fred had used in this magazine, and his name was Steve Goodrich. And he was out in New York. And lo and behold, boom, there it is. There's an article on the Glimmer Twins. And I just had to deal with the primed ones. Or I would have been dealing with primers. He went and painted these things up. And oh my God, it's certainly, you know how like sometimes you can paint a bad kit? Yeah. And you can paint it in the shadows and you can kind of lessen yep. its, you know, uh, lacking uh, uh, in quality or, or the looks or whatever it is. That's why He's monsters make good kits because you can hide a lot of bad stuff like that. Oh yeah, I've told yeah. that with a lot of people. You can hide a lot of things in scales and stuff yep. like that. You can't do that on a human. So I read the article and I got to dig this up because he starts this article by, by what John had done was John had tracked him down and said, listen, I need you to do it. And Mr. Goodrich was more than happy to do it. And John gave him the story that, hey, the other guys are laughing at me for this kit and tell me how bad it is and that they won't put it in the magazine. And he kind of misrepresented, but it was the truth. I didn't want it. Be it you know, be attached to this thing because I was going to get, and I know John would have resorted, resented it, and it certainly wasn't going to help the sales. So Steve gets in there and does this big diatribe about he. I've never met him, and he never met Fisher, and he was just going on with John. So, but you read what he says, and he's just kind of attacking us like this kid's a diamond in the rough, and it just needs a little elbow grease and everything. But <laughs> when he wrote it, it was so funny because this day I used this catchphrase from him when he. John had said that, you know, that the kits, we said the kits were terrible or whatever. And Steve says, he replies, I took one look at these kits. And the first thing I said was balderdash, I say. So to this day, when I'm confronted with some crazy thing, I always pull out the old balderdash. Because that's what the old timers used to say back in the day when they thought something was crazy. So it did get its coverage in there. It just didn't get in AFM. But I, and I don't have any facts to back this up other than I would I'm not a bet man, but if I was, I would bet that that was probably John's weakest selling kit. And I've yet to find anyone who re- does a rebuttal on what I just, you know, on my opinions. I mean, <laughs> oh, so watch the comments. Work out. I can't wait to see the comments on yeah. YouTube. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I don't got a problem calling spade a spade because, you know, I, like I tell everybody, if I'm going to tell you stuff's great, you should be at least be able to be accepting of, hey, you, you, you know, you didn't, you didn't pass the, the, you know, the mustard test on this one. Have you whatever. ever gotten stuff for like people accusing you of just hoarding kits or not <laughs> dishing them? Like, yeah. Yeah. My wife. And don't say that too loud. Cause she'll <laughs> overhear you and come in here. You'll have another episode. She swears to God, I could get, get a guest episode on, uh, on Hoarders TV show, <laughs> you know, but so yeah. <laughs> I had Scott, you might remember this. It's, it's as long, long time ago, but it's in print. It's all documented. And like I said, I don't lie about this stuff. I was doing the hobby with model and toy collector. I was meeting all these people and, and it was all good. And on the surface, it was all good. And then little by little, certain things started coming out. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm just kind of going around being the Pied Piper of resin. Everyone should be happy. I'm promoting them. You know, I'm watching what I say. I don't want to, you know, discourage people and all that. And I kind of thought, wow, I'm kind of, reaching the masses and you know it's it's all good there's no skeletons in the closet and 
So one day, I forget what issue it is, um, but this is with Model and Collector, and it would have probably been late 93 <laughs> when this happened. But one of the guys in the early days that I did a lot of promoting for and everything, his name was Jim Fox. And he was up in the Wisconsin area, and he was like, well, he was kind of like a, a John Wright before like John really took off. He had been doing, like he specialized in girls. That was his favorite subject matter. He, he did monsters and whatnot, mm -hmm. but he really loved the girls. And a lot of the stuff that he did was all girl oriented and everything. I promoted all of his stuff, just like everyone else. No, I can't think of one thing where, you know, I was never underhanded with stuff. So in my mind, you know, there was no reason that there would have been like a problem with Jim or anyone else. So before, I forget what it was. It was like issue 24 or something like that. It was a superhero special, I think. But um, the editor gets the magazine back and everything. And he calls me up to, you know, say it's printed, it's getting ready to ship. And he goes, oh, by the way, he says, um, you might find this interesting. He says, there's a letter that was written concerning you that, that I ran in the magazine. And I'm like, okay, what was that about? And he goes, well, he goes, I didn't tell you about it because he goes, I didn't want you to worry about it. And I'm kind of <laughs> like, well, you kind of got me worried now. <laughs> well, what it was, Jim Fox wrote this really lengthy letter into the magazine. And... Bill goes on. Oh, and by the way, the editor of the magazine at the time, his name was Bill Brugman. He was a great guy, funny dude. We got along like, like two peas in a pod. And um, he goes on to tell me that someone, he goes, he goes, you got a vocal critic out there, Terry. And I go, I do. And he goes, yeah. And I go, well, what's he vocal about? So he goes on, he describes the letter. And Jim had written in, and according to him and a bunch of his buddies, they had all gotten together and they had deemed that what I was doing. It, it just wasn't right that there was only one voice reviewing kits and God forbid he was keeping them, but even worse, <laughs> I was hoarding them in my basement. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, Bill, what now? And he, and I go, wait a minute, you're running this letter. I like, dude, I go, are you trying to just, you know, <laughs> you know crucify me up, up in front of the hobby? I go, what's the point of running this letter? And he goes, well, Terry goes, I didn't finish. He says, the point is, you know, we let, you know, he goes and he does his complaining. And then he says, I came back and he goes, I just nailed him to the wall with what he doesn't know. So the gist of the letter was this. He didn't like that one guy, there was only one voice. He thought there should be a committee of people reviewing this stuff. And they had to have certain credentials. And of course, he was qualified to do it. But I wasn't. But the thing is, he never names me in the letter. He just talks about like this third party. So, but the kicker was this. He also said that the kids, they shouldn't just be sitting in someone's basement. They need to be in a traveling roadshow, traveling around the country, educating everybody. Because what had happened was at Wonderfest the year before, I think in 92, they tried to do like a history of the garage kit. And people brought stuff and whatever. And to be honest with you, I can't remember. I can't remember if I was involved with it, if, if it came out. He said it was lame in the letter. He literally just says it's lame. <laughs> so that's part of his thing is that like, well, we got to vindicate this. And we have to have this traveling, you know, roadshow out there with all these kits explaining where the hobby came from and all that. So Bill goes and writes this rebuttal that literally just blew him out of the water. He gave them all my credentials, all the things I did behind the scenes. Because you got to remember, guys, at this time, I wasn't getting paid for any of this stuff. 
I didn't know where that came from, or whatever, but I was really happy that Bill had my back and everything. But just as an addendum to that story, I wouldn't even be telling you this, but it's, it's something really weird after that had happened because obviously when that happened, I was like, well, okay, this guy doesn't value what I do. He doesn't, you know, appreciate, uh, you know, what, what I've got going. So, you know, obviously I didn't make any inroads. I mean, it wasn't like I just gave him a big F you. I just, you know, you know, kind of like just, if he said hi, I said hi or whatever. So as I said, did you ever time, talk to him at a show about it or anything like nothing? No, because like I said, the way I looked at it, the, the way I thought the, 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 the way he should have done it, he should have approached me because yeah, at least yeah. I could have educated on some things and he wouldn't have come off looking like, you know, the, the, the way he did in the magazine. But, um, but no, I just kind of looked at, there's like a lot of guys that are like that. I'm just like, I've done nothing but been a, a, either a bonus or a helpful thing to you. So until I do something that's, you know, out of place or whatever, you know, I, I don't, I don't think they should be treated like that. And I just, I just dismissed them. Cause you guys got to remember back in the day, there was just a lot of people that were staying connected with us. So the fact that one guy didn't like me, I never dwelled on it. I just literally turned the page, swiped left, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And went on with my life. So, so what happens is this comes around to 97, but in 96, what he had done, he got hired by Jim Deming and this other dude out of, uh, they were up in Connecticut, I think. Can't forget what Jim Deming's partner was, but they had commissioned Jim to do the the kiss figures from Destroyer. Okay. And I was all about that. I was going to say, you're was, that. it was a commission and Jim took forever to do it. Now I didn't have to get them from Jim. I was getting them from uh, the other Jim, uh, Deming, because I would see him. Um, New England too. Was was that part? It was Aunt Nelly. No, you're thinking of New England resident vinyl. You're yeah, didn't of, they do? Uh, or weren't they part of that? Or they had them? Or well, he, I'm sure they sold it because it was one of those yeah. middlemen that, that you know got all this stuff. But they they were the selling it at the show originally. So I got all, I had gotten all three of them by '96 and '90s at, at the Chiller '96 show was he had finally done it, and this had been going on for about two. Two years, maybe three. I can't remember. But it was just a relief to finally get them. Because a lot of times when you see a series like that, they'll do two or three of them. They never finished it. So I believe Peter Chris was the last one done. So I pick them up. And so that was at the tail end of 96. Well, the weird thing, this is what happens. So in 97, it's January 31st. And I'll never forget this because it's only happened once in my lifetime. I'm not a I'm not a real big believer in like the supernatural um, or um, you know cosmic stuff or anything like Bigfoot. That. I, well, yeah, yeah. there was just something on to D, you know, capturing Bigfoot. Well, guess what? <laughs> they never captured Bigfoot. As long as they get something, I'm down with it. But all these shows, year after year, all they do is go around with a bunch of night vision and a bunch of scared looking people, and at the end of the day, you got a plaster cast and some fibers. Right. which could be from a coconut shell and it could be my <laughs> buddy that we call Sasquatch that had size 14 feet, you know? I mean, but, but anyhow, I've, I've, i just, I'm just, I don't dis, uh, re, or I don't think it can't be plausible. Right. But I'm not one of those people that go around when I hear a bump in the night and I'm like, Ooh, you know? So, but this is a true story. And Jason is Jason is by the way. Yeah. Well, well, and I and I I can believe it. And after this, it's always made me wonder. It hasn't made me a true believer. But long story short, 
on January 31st. It's a Friday. Look it up if you don't believe me. January 31st, 1997. I'm down in my basement. I'm sitting on a bar stool. I'm at my model bench. And it was not known or it wasn't an unknown thing for either one of my kids or my dog to come down the stairs. I would be engrossed in what I would do and I would hear a noise and then all of a sudden, boom, they would be there. My daughter liked to creep up on me. So this is about midnight that it happened. So I hear these sounds and I'm thinking, oh, that's, that's my dog, Rommel. He come down the steps and it's like nothing. I don't see anything. Then I hear it again. So now I'm thinking it's my daughter and she's still on the steps. So I walk down, down through the basement. I come around the corner and up the steps and no one's there. And I thought, well, that's really weird. So I go back, I start working. It's in the dead of winter. I'm in my basement. So it is cold. And I feel like the only thing I could describe it was that scene in, um, Oh, um, oh, uh, not Red Dragon, but um, Hannibal movie, yeah. where he comes up on Clarice at the uh, at the uh, merry-go-round, and literally just slightly brushes her. I feel this breeze go across my neck and my hair stand up, and I was like, "Well, that's really weird." And then after that, I didn't give it any thought. But at the time that all this happened, I am building the Paul Stanley model kit. So I did the Gene Simmons. Now I'm on the Paul Stanley. I'm sitting there at my stool. I have that weird thing happen. I don't think anything of it other than, wow, that was weird. I would have thought I'd seen the kids or the dog. Sunday night, late, I get a call. It's from a gentleman. He's in uh, Michigan. His name was uh, Doug. He, he did Fairbanks model. Doug Murray was his name. And Doug Murray had hired Jim Fox to sculpt for him. And they were pals. I remember that. Yeah. So. He calls me up and I'm just like, AFM, Terry speaking. This is like at midnight. It wasn't unusual for me to answer it, whatever. <laughs> and he just goes, dude, he goes, I got really bad news. And I go, well, what's going on? What happened? And he goes, Jim Fox just killed himself over the weekend. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And he's like, nope. And I'm like, well, what happened? And he's like, shot himself in the head. And I'm like, why? Well, evidently he did it over the phone with his girlfriend and it was over, she was pregnant at the time and they were fighting over that or whatever. And what it was told me was that's how he died. And so all of a sudden I'm sitting there going, you know, knowing that he's not my, you know, best of friends, <laughs> but more importantly, I was sitting there and all of a sudden that Friday night just boom, comes right in the view. And the first thing I say to him is I go, dude, did he kill himself on Friday? And he goes, yep. And I go, what time did he kill himself? Do you know? Did you, did you get that? He goes, he did it around midnight. And I go, I go, Doug, I go, I am shitting you not. And I told him the story. And I go, and Doug goes, he says, well, maybe he was reaching out to you, apologized to you. And I always looked at it that like, Either his soul went around and either cursed me or he was going around and he just touched me like, hey, I hope all's forgiven. I don't know, yeah. man, but that actually happened. And oh, to man. this day, those kits are not done. And that Paul Stanley kit still sits in the box. Oh, wow. Right oh, where man. I left it. Because, I mean, one of these days I'll get back to it. But, but it was mainly I got busy with shit. But that did yeah. kind of, that spooked me a little bit because I was like, that was just too weird of a coincidence. I mean, the times and all that stuff. And 
and I've just never forgotten it. But but yeah, but to get back to your thing, yeah, there's been plenty of people on submissions <laughs> that uh, you know that have messed with you one way or another. But I got one more one more submission. Uh huh. No, but I don't. You guys agree? I mean, you're sitting there doing your thing, whether you get paid for it or not. You still have your time into it, and you're sitting out there chugging for the hobby. And then you know, to get back what I had said earlier. The, the, everyone used to unload their kits on you at the shows or mail them in. Mm-hmm. And so it really was a lot of work to keep track of everything. So no one got, you know, left out or anything. Right. It really, I mean, there was one issue, me and Dave, we, we reviewed, I think almost 30 kits between the two of us. That was just one issue. And you had to do it that way because coming right behind it was another show with a bunch of submissions, but that's all changed. Now these guys, have gone literally back to like one man operations and they're all claiming poverty or, or whatever. And I've literally talked to people that don't have sales, say they're struggling. And then you point out to them, well, you know, you got the magazine. Why don't you send something in They're going, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like, well, when are you going to do that? A lot of these guys got kind of hung up on the thing that like, Oh, David and Terry's getting another free kit. And I'm sitting there going, I don't look at it as, oh, I got into this for the free kits. I'm looking at it as when I get a kit, I'm chained to the bench. I'm under the gun to work for you, in a sense. Yeah. You know, and I'm not modeling what I want to model. You got to sit there and you're you're at the discretion of what comes in the door. So we went from if you've been paying to the magazine, we went from having, you know, full, you know, six, seven pages of reviews, and then, you know. We got to the point where me and Dave were doing it, and that got a kind of a, a contention point with me because I was like, Dave, I go, look, dude. He said, all these great kids, we're sitting there stroking over ourselves about how great the kid is. And I'm like, that's stupid. We're wasting space. So I said, but the really cool kits or the really nice kits that are just a, a 10 star or five star, whatever you want to call them, just one of us would do it. And then on the other one, I said, let's do the count pointer count. Because Dave doesn't want to, you know, go that route. So I said, fine, I'll take the low road. Whatever he, I said, you take the good points and I'll point out the bad things. <laughs> well, there'd be sometimes Dave would get in there and say, you know, everything was great. And I'd come back and you can read it. I'd be like, Dave, you ignorant slut. <laughs> and I would go off on, you know, whatever he was, you know, wouldn't point out. So we got a good response with that. But then eventually, you know, I've, I've done hundreds of reviews since yeah. I think the first one I ever did was back in like, 88 you know and 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 it gets tedious after a while if if you're just doing the same kits or whatever so i always tried to make them personalized or whatever but we we had other people come in so it was all going great but then when the digital era came in all of a sudden when people were able to promote their own kits they just kind of forgot and there was other magazines going at the time we weren't the only one experienced it but if you look at the history of the magazine with the reviews as we go along issue by issue right now you know, I mean, there's just a handful of them in there and people just feel like, well, if they're only going to sell 10, 20 or 30 of them, it ain't going to do them any good to send it to us. What are we going to promote? Sold out kit? Because I've had that happen with a couple times, you know, that yeah, by the time yeah, right. the review comes, the kid's gone because the guy went out of business. Gentlemen, I've had people <laughs> send me notices for kits even before press time. They're calling me up saying, hey, pfft, me and my partner split up, pull that news, <laughs> you know? It's just like, well, well okay. Fly by our case, resin productions is out of business. Yeah. I get it, you know? In our case, we don't even ask for kits. We just want photos. 
and okay. you can't probably get that. Correct. And, no, and, and you can't. And the the people that do send us photos, then you get accused of being, and 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 uh, you know, and I don't want to throw the name out there, but we've been accused of, oh, you're the Paul Gill show, okay? And it's like, I give Paul credit. Paul sends us photos almost every other week of something, okay? That being said, he's also been very generous. Sent us a few kits, lots of kits that we and we give them away. We give them away. We make a contest out of it or whatever, or raffle, and we give them away. We eat the postage, okay? I think Jason had to send something to the UK. I've had to send something to Canada, you oh, know, yeah. and, and we eat the postage because, you know, it's just. No good deed goes unpunished by the right, U.S. Postal but, Service. But, and we, but we don't care. You know, it, it's, yeah. we're having fun it with it. in the territory. And stuff Comes like with that. the $700 phone bills. And, and, you know, but I try to tell some of these guys, and some of these guys are good friends of mine. I'm like, send me your stuff and I'll put it on the show. We're not no, reviewing it. We, you know, no, I'll review what I buy. about it. <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, not yeah. at the risk of sounding like the one upper, that same thing happened to us years ago, but it was George Stevenson instead of Paul. Mm-hmm. And I just looked him right in the eye and I go, listen, the dude's smart. He's a businessman. He knows by putting it there, it, he, odds are he's going to be in there. And if other people aren't doing it, well, back in the day, like I said, there was more people doing it, but across the board, when it comes to the resin producers, I'm sorry, man, but a lot of these guys, their hobby is first and their businessmen last. And, you know, I, all I have to do is you look through my books, you look through the magazines. It is just a mile after mile after mile of, of GK outfits that have run out of steam. And you could look at all of them and people would say, well, I never heard of that company. I never heard of those kids. And it's like, well, there you go. Because they think that they can put it up on the internet nowadays and everyone's going to see it and come rushing to buy their kit. And I'm like, now everyone kind of ponders stuff. Everyone kicks tires that much longer. The longer you've been in the hobby, the more you'll take the time to spend your money and and make sure the kit is what you really want because you've gone through all that BS through the previous years. Which is why you don't want to limit something. Okay. Because someone kicks the tires for a while, they may come back and say, all right, I want to buy that. Oh, it's out of production now. You know, and it's... I can't tell you how many kits I've sold to people. They're like, you know what? And even on my kits, my kits would have been advertised in the magazine for years. You get these guys that come seven years after the fact, you know what? I really should have bought that kit. I just, you know, can you please find me one? And I was like, dude, it was available for four years. (laughs) But everyone has a story and I don't really hold it against them. I'm just like, look, at some point, yeah, I'll bring it back out. But, you know, it's it's really infuriating when you're sitting there and, you know, it's it's like you're, you know, it's like you want to sit there and broadcast to an audience, but you need, you know, some feedback from that audience, which is the producers. And I've seen guys that would they'll, they'll literally advertise or display it anywhere but AFM. And I can only, you know, when I look at someone like that, I just see him as a hostile. You know, because I'm like, <laughs> well, it's true, guys, because, you know, well, it is. Hey, you're not and I've seen it. it's human yeah. nature. You know, yep. if you if you don't say someone's name right or you don't say a hello to somebody, if they don't get an invite or whatever. Everyone works like on a different mindset, you know, and it's all according to how they're raised. But a lot of the guys are just normal. There's no problems. But you, there's you know, and they say there's always that one in every group, you know, and I've and, also had guys and and I've had guys say this to me about the magazine as well. Well, I can't name one sale I got from the magazine or I I don't know that I've gotten any sales from having stuff on your show. And that could very well be. Okay. But it's always rewarding. You guys did a, 
almost a whole page. Um, these people stand arts and they've got that do back and that Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, that okay. guy got some, some cool stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, we've promoted them time and time again, cause he's really a good painter. So we, sh- you know, we show man, sh- his wife sends us nice, great messages, thanking us, telling us since we've put their stuff on, he sold X amount more of these. And I don't believe that. I don't believe he's selling more because he's in your magazine necessarily, or he's on our show, but maybe he's getting a couple sales. Sure. You know, it can't hurt. That's it can't hurt. Look at it. No, it can't hurt. And so, and I look at it and go, you know, and she's offered to send us stuff and it's like, like no, we, we got to pay for it. You know, we, we got to pay cookies. For yeah. Oh, cookies will take. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's weird, but remember, remember who you just said that you're pointing out and you're highlighting. It's a female mm-hmm. and females do that stuff. Now, there are some guys in the hobby. They've well, done some really cool. It's things. her husband, though, that does it. It's her husband that sculpts and paints. And yeah, all but no, 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 I know that. But I'm just oh, saying, yeah. by and large, I'll, I'll give you a quick analogy here. When I was I used to work for a furniture company and this guy that did the job for 40 years had had warned me when I he gave me like the Ten Commandments of the job. And one of them he said was, when you go into the homes, he's keep like, Keep your shirt on. <laughs> no, I had to keep my sleeves on for the job. But, but that was then, and this is now. Um, <laughs> no, he, he gave me the warnings or whatever. And basically what he said was, watch what you do in the home. Because he said, by the time you get out to your car, they'll be on the phone calling your boss, bitching about you. So when I explained it about, about the hobby and the lack of, like, follow-up thank yous and all that stuff i'd use this analogy because this is something i think everyone can understand everyone's ate at a fast food restaurant so tell me if this sounds familiar so you go to your fast food restaurant and you know um if the fries aren't hot if if uh, they're not salted if uh your pops flat or you get a tomato on your hamburger what's the first thing you're doing you know you're going right back up to the counter slamming it down look you pimple-faced idiot you can't get the order right you want your hot fries you want your ice in your drink or whatever right so now back up a step you go to your wendy's or your mcdonald's and you get your hot hamburger and it's got all your fixings and you got your salted fries and you got your nice cold you know crisp drink do you ever go up to the counter and say hey there young man and a boy you did a great job Actually, I have. Actually, I have. But I'm saying people that are mindful in the service business sometimes, or people that have been cashiers or waitresses or whatever, they realize that just like with the magazine, anyone that's been in the printing business pulls us off to the side and says, dude, what you're doing is like, I mean, it's almost embarrassing the, the way they compliment us because they've been in the trenches and they know. Now, the average knuckle dragon, blue collar modeler out there, They've never put a magazine together, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking past you, Scott. <laughs> but uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like when you walk up a mile in a man's shoes, you know, it's easy to come back and say, "Hey, man, you know, wow, X amount of pages, or you know, you you got this done, or you got that done, whatever it is, you know." But most people haven't done a magazine, so I never take it personally. I'm just kind of like, "Yeah, if you were all that, you'd be doing a magazine." But hey, guess what? There is no one left doing a magazine. So, you know, but like I said, it, it, it's real easy, you know, to criticize and call out. I've always liked to sit there and lead 
like that review you just read. If you would have read the front of it instead of the tail end, I gave him his props. I think you should always do that. Lead with your best foot and then say the criticism. And then hit him in the side. And then the kidney punch. No, no, put two in their port side. (laughs) No, but you know, it's like I give them credit for what they're doing, but then I come back and say, but you know, but wait a second. Now along with the good comes the bad. And this is where I think you need room for improvement. Some people are very open and some people have like followed everything I've, you know, said to them. Other people think I'm using reverse psychology and they do the exact opposite. And I have to laugh because I don't want anyone to, to fail in this hobby. Because no. I've always looked at it as, as a big whole, you know, universe of a hobby that if, if someone's doing well, then the whole hobby eventually will get some, you know, some. And I think that off. that's our goal too. We want this hobby to do well, regardless yeah. of where it is now, where it's going, where it's been. We like this. We want it to stay where it is. Yeah. Um, it's a good or get thing. better. It's get better. We want it to stay here, actually. Uh, yeah. Before we go, you had told me a story about Russ, who had passed away recently, and how you oh. met him. I was wondering if you could share that with everybody. Share Russ's details, like that whole kind of thing. Because I think well, you, you worked with him a lot closer than most of us. And yeah, the story you told yeah, me is pretty Russ funny. is one of those guys. You know, they always say that, like, oh, yeah, he was a good guy. He was this and that. And then there's always those people, like, when you, you like, no matter how much you, you praise the dude, it probably, you know, doesn't um, do him justice, but um, he was just this really cool cat. When I met him, I met him through a friend of mine in West Virginia. Of all places, there was a show, in modeling show in West Virginia, and it was like the coolest unknown modeling show you'd ever know about. They were like the anti-IPMS um, group where they, they literally looked and acted like an IPMS group, but they were like the Notre Dame of modeling. They wanted no affiliation with anybody. And so if you went to it, you would have swore it was an IPMS show. But there was a guy there that was part of it. His name was Scott Owen. So Scott Owen had called me up one day. I think this, was, this would have been 05. And um, he calls me up and he goes, listen, I got this really friend who's passionate about modeling. He says he's been following you for however long. And he's like, he wants to do a video on, um, to record for posterity the wonder fests and he'd like to do this as an annual thing. And I was like, wow, I said, you know, I, I kind of wished I would have been doing that, but I'm like, that's cool. I go, how can I help? He goes, well, he's, he, he wants you to introduce him to the wonder fest guys. And I'm like, he doesn't need me. He could just go up and do his proposal. Well, mm-hmm. Russell was like, no, no, it's got to have Webb's endorsement because it, it wouldn't be whatever. And I was like, whatever. So I call him up and I go, look, dude, you're insane, but I'll, I'll help you. I don't think you need me. So I got a hold of Dave and I told him what was going on and then they hooked up and, you know, they made a deal. And then, so he comes in and the deal was Scott Owen was going to do the interview and he was going to go around and, um, or no, I'm sorry, take that back. Their, their whole focus was going to be covering, uh, the models. It's what they wanted to do. And I go, well, dude, I go, the people that, you know, that's, that's some pretty strong stuff there. You should cover the people. So, and I said, why don't you, you know, cover like I said in my books, I interview a bunch of people. I said, why don't you interview some people? And he's like, yeah, that's a good idea, Terry. So between him and Scott Owen, they come up with the plan to, to do this. So I said, listen, I'll help you. I said, I'll go around and I'll find you. I go, how about 10 good interview subjects? I'll go and I'll prep them. And I'll said, um, I'll go even get them and whatever. And I'll say, I'll stack it for you. And, you know, I'll just, you know, get it all on deck. And then you guys can do it on Sunday. And he's like, great, fine. So it comes, he's sitting there filming. It's all going great. 
And then it's all going great until it isn't because <laughs> I had promised them I would be down there. And I, and I did, I got all the guests lined up and I had them all, you know, blocked out like within an hour of each other, whatever it was. And um, so it's Saturday night. So what do you do? You start drinking. Well, I get so I never hammered. I got so hammered. It's like four o'clock. I don't know where I'm at. And someone is just hammered as me and laughs and says, dude, I don't know what you're, what you're laughing for. He goes, he says, you got to be at your table to help out uh, that Russell cat. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, I forgot all about it. So I was like, I excuse myself. I didn't get any sleep. And so, but I was down there. I was down there at uh, eight o'clock in the morning. But, but the funny thing was I was drunk. Still drunk. Were you still drunk? And, yeah. And I've never, I have, I've always been able to sleep it off. Never. I didn't even know I get an hour's worth of sleep. And Timmy had literally pushed me out the door. So I am drunk. Now, if anyone see me in the morning at any shows, I wear sunglasses. People think it's because I want to be cool. I wear contacts. And then that early in the morning, the fluorescent light makes me squint and it hurts my eyes. So I will always wear my sunglasses, you know, when I first get out and whatever. Well, this time I was wearing them to, to cover my bloodshot <laughs> eyes and I was still hammered. So I go down there, I get my second win and we're all set to go. And it's about quarter to late. Well, the first guy I got on deck, of all people, it's Gabe Perna. Gabe Perna was kind of a, a newbie on the scene. You know, he was kind of like the, the new kid on the block. So I was going for some established people, middle of the road, and some newer people. So for whatever reason, as luck would have it, I'd pick out Gabe Perna. So Russell's already he's sitting there. And we're doing this in front of my table. This is at Wonderfest. And I noticed Scott pacing like a cage animal. And I'm like, well, that's kind of strange. I've never seen a mech like that. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys ever seen that Seinfeld episode where they did the pilot, the show within the show. Yeah, yeah. And the one guy that was playing George Costanza right before they go to film the episode, he's pacing nervously. And he's like, I don't know what to do, man. I don't know my lines and all that. And Jerry's like, oh, you do fine. You just like George. <laughs> Scott does that to me. He's like, Terry, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. He goes, I can't interview these people. He goes, you got to do it. <laughs> and I just laugh my ass off and I go, dude, I pull my guns on. I go, I'm fucking drunk as hell. I go, I'm no shape to go on camera. I go, dude, and I push him. I go, get out there. So he goes to, he goes to, to Russell and says, it's, it's like a guy who didn't want to get married, got cold feet. He literally just says, I can't do it and leaves. Russell <laughs> comes over to me and says, dude, he says, I, I goes, Terry, I need your help. I didn't tell him anything. He pleads to me just like Scott did. And I pulled down my glasses and I go, Russell, you do not want me on camera. I go, I will not be responsible for what's going to happen. He's like, dude, you either do it or, or it's not going to happen. So I said, okay. So I go on camera. I got my shades on. I go, hey, everybody. I go into my spiel and I introduce Gabe and I start asking him questions. And this dude, to my horror, is a yes or no guy. He's very, he's a very, dry humorless guy i mean he isn't <laughs> if you get to know him yeah but i didn't really know gabe at the time and this is all right off the cuff sunday morning so i'm hitting him you know giving him my best question and he you know he's he's doing that one thing like it was in um oh shit the bruce willis fifth um fifth element movie when the when that one um what's the black actor that uh chris tucker ruby red yeah. Chris Tucker. When he does yep. the whole thing and Bruce Willis just grabs the phone and he just goes, no, that's what <laughs> he was doing. 
and I'm dying up there, and I can't contain. You can go watch the video. You I was going to say, yep. There. And so, <laughs> so finally, after about a minute of this, I was just like, okay, we time to end this train wreck. So I just look at him. I go, well, I go, hey, Gabe. I go, thanks for all the informative answers. <laughs> I go, anything you want to say to your fans out there? Stick the microphone in his face, and he just does that that ruby red moment. He just pulls it up close, and he goes. No, <laughs> I go. All right, there. There's our man, you know, and we clap him off or whatever. So if you watch that video, that's it. Just goes, you know. I'm doing it less and less, but that was like my first time that I met Russell, and Russell was very passionate. And he was like this very sincere person, and when he said something, unlike all my other friend idiot asshole friends like you guys, you know, we always. No! each other and you know whatever hey, which write down that slide scott write down the date of that slide. yes yeah, i write that it. down <laughs> but but you know what i'm saying i mean russell was just, just made our book of grudges dude that that you could just tell like the way he carried himself and everything so i got to know him and we did some shows together and like we we went up to uh scott whitworth's place we stayed with him he stayed at my house a couple times and the first time he stayed at my house he was like, Terry, I can't stay at your house. He goes, I got to get a hotel. And I'm like, dude, there's, if someone is in a GK hobby and they come through, I, I insist that they have to stay with me because I know how it is out in the road. It's expensive. So he says, dude, I can't stay with you. And I go, why not? I go, you know, you, you, you got bad hygiene. He goes, dude, I snore. I go, well, so what? He goes, no, dude. He goes, I buzz saw snore. He goes, you won't be able to sleep. I go, dude, I'm sleep. I'll be sleeping above you. And he goes, Terry, I'm warning. I just said, you know, and I just grabbed him, drug him in. So my boy, Vince, at the time would have probably been about six or seven. Russell snored so loud, it woke <laughs> up my kid, scared the shit out of him. He come running down, was like, Dad, what's that guy doing? And it was. It was the, the loudest snoring I'd ever heard. So I just got to know him through the years and everything. And he was just this really nice dude that anyone who remembers him from the show. Yeah. Russell Canterbury you know, was a then, really nice guy. Yeah. And he never really had a beard, but like three, four years ago or whatever, that he kind of came into his whole own net. Yeah. It's kind of like you, you know. Yeah, I he has those two long things. <laughs> yeah, you're you're the mayor of Whoville, you yeah. know. Well, to me, <laughs> he was spinach chin, you know, and he come in and he got like two two inches. I walk up to him, I go, Hey, what's up, spinach chin? And he just, <laughs> you know, he took it all in stride and everything, but he just got that big ZZ top beard going. Yeah. It was really in threes, yeah. if you remember. It was, yep, it was threes. Yep. You know? But he was just growing it, and it was just weird. But he worked his ass off on he those did. DVDs, the editing and everything. And they're out there. I know, you know the we feeling. still sell them, you know. And they're they're a great time capsule of, um, you know, there's a lot of people, like, you know, like John Tucky, for example. He's on them, and he's yeah. gone. There's a bunch of people on it that have left us. And it's and it more and more so like it's going to be. Capsule. Yep. You know, so I think that's important to get these stories down and, you know, get the experiences. But Russell was one of those guys, you know, he reminds me of Rob Madison. I know you guys know Rob, you know, Rob, Rob is another one that is just awesome. Yeah, he's just a genuine, nice dude. So when I met Rob the first time, he reminded me of Russell, or I should say Russell reminded me of Rob. Rob shows up like, like it was 94, or maybe 95. I can't remember, but he shows up and he's got his buddy. 96 96 was that his first year yeah i brought him he, he, okay he went with well me. then yeah he probably came for harry house or wait it might have been 97 i'm sorry it was 97 was it yeah 97 was his first show yep 
about he shows up with the camera and he shows up with um can't remember his name gurky first name chris. chris chris yeah so they were like two peas in a pod they were huge fans you know they had the professional microphone you know a, a nice tripod a, a nice camcorder and he comes up and he goes hey mr webb can i can i interview and i was like well yeah if you don't call me mr webb <laughs> you know so he did it on a sunday and it was out there in that patio by the air conditioners you know on that second floor yep. big open patio deck i'll never forget this either and so he had a little chair out there and everything and, and he was asking me you know different questions and all that stuff so after we're done you know he's very professional and i was like hey so like you know what what do you do this for you know and then my just incredulous like i just could not believe it his answer was oh i we, we do this for a uh oh um what was the community hour on pbs yeah the the public uh, uh public access public access yeah, yeah public yeah. access that's what it was yep yep he he got like like an hour-long block at like two o'clock sunday morning which really would be monday morning and like four or five people would watch it and he and and, and he says oh, you know i'll send you a copy of it whatever well, it was like a damn news show professionally edited and and you know and i wasn't the only uh you know he did like a thing on the show or whatever but i just remember thinking jesus christ all this time <laughs> and all that you know and you got like probably less than you know one handful of people watching this thing i'm like that's dedication. So I watched him through the years. You know, he finally evolved it into Monster Model Madness. And he was doing all these episodes and everything. Monster Model and Review. Now you watch him. Monster <laughs> Model Review. Check out Monster Model Review on YouTube. Yes. 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 Monster. Yeah. And, not and Game Archaeology. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. But That's he, how Terry he treats just... his idiot asshole friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 he, but he he did all this stuff and i you know and i sat there and i go you know there's a guy that loves a hobby and to get back to russell you know it was the same way these guys would do this incredible stuff that you would think would be broadcast on cbs news you know and he just wanted to do it and then put it out there and everything and you know so you know every time we lose someone like that you know there should be someone stepping up because that's the thing in this hobby a lot of stuff has to be done without getting paid or you know without getting whatever yeah. they're looking for it's like you know what it's the rope pick the damn rope up and start pulling because if you really love this hobby as much as you say you are you should be contributing it and giving it back and that's part of what i do with the hobby i try to work with all these people that have gotten some from the hobby and when they when they don't want to work with me or whatever i usually will throw that out that like look after we're gone you know everybody plants seeds with their kids or their community or their business or whatever to like to outlast you to to leave a legacy and that's what i'd like to see with this hobby is that you know because we don't have enough kids coming in behind us and there's a really good chance that at least the old school part of this might die off once we go because you know it's no secret we're all getting close to 65 70. how long can we do this before cataracts and uh you know um arthritis yeah. or arthritis take away our motor skills terry you know? we are going to leave it there because that is probably the most poignant un like super serious good thing you've ever said i've ever said in my <laughs> I life i don't want to ruin this moment so. well i'm gonna be like I george thank you and good night america <laughs> that's how you should just walk out i'm out of here see ya. but i had a million dollar question thank you very much all right go. i had a million dollar question scott will ruin well, this we'll moment but short. go ahead no and and hey. yeah and you don't have to go deep and we can touch on it again because it's gonna come up yeah 
and and I don't know that you're following it that much, but where do you see all this 3D sculpting and printing? Oh, I follow it. In regards to the hobby and where it's going, how it's going to affect, you know, I mean, what are you seeing? You know, what do you, you know, what's, what's your take? Well, I think the, the, the age of us creeping in on us and everything, I would have to say it's safe to say that this will die out, but not completely. I think the traditional, the, the sculpting of clay and everything will be like the Amish. Where mm-hmm. I come from, there's uh, Amish countries between my hometown up near Cleveland and Columbus. So when I'm going back and forth, I constantly run into buggies and whatnot. I hope they're okay. So, <laughs> you run into yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Terry's on the horn. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but what I think is, I don't think I think it's like the Amish. You know, the the Amish are never going to run the world, but people appreciate handcrafted materials and mm-hmm. and handcrafted items. So, what the Amish do, whether they're weaving baskets or they're making pies or they're fixing your wagon wheel, whatever, people know that that is high craftsman work. The same thing with the garage kits that. There will always be a very small demand for that. But I think, and I know probably people think I'm nuts, but I thought about this for quite some time. I'm going to take you back to the fourth Alien movie. If you can remember the scene where I forget Scott hasn't act- seen it, so talk to me. See, that's bullshit. I have seen the that's, fourth Alien movie. Yeah, you've seen yeah, Alien you Resurrection. Can, you can promote this issue. This is one of the movies you've seen, right? That's right. Thank so you, no, Terry. make fun Thank of you. you. Okay. Yeah. So lying. it's Alien There's 4. No the, Wait, the, the fourth one? Alien Resurrection. No, I'm sorry. It's the third one I saw. You're right. I haven't seen the fourth one. All right. So the streak, the streak maintains. (laughs) Still haven't seen the movies. Okay. Well, in this movie, Scott, they they have to they bring a a crew of human cargo to the spaceship and they they want to use them as hosts for the aliens. So the guy sitting down with the guy running the 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 spaceship that all this is happening on the space station. So as he's sitting there. Given that this isn't way in the future, he says, you want a drink? And so he's got like a thing that looks like Mr. Coffee. He puts a little tumbler and then he takes a little cube that looks like a bullion cube and he puts it down in the glass. He touches the machine and a laser hits it and instantly it turns into water and it's got like two ounces of, you know, black velvet or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they toast and they drink. I think what's going to happen is... That down the road, homes will be built with something like a MakerBot in it. And almost if you can think back to those old cartoons, the uh, Looney Tunes thing where, where Bugs Bunny sold Elmer Fudd, the, or Daffy Duck sold Elmer the House of the Future, and it had that robot that came out mm-hmm. and swept up every broken thing that happened. I think everyone's going to have a MakerBot to replace stuff like handles because everything will be plastic. So when you break something, You'll have this, you know, much like a can opener or whatever. You're just going to go over and you're going to print whatever you need. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to happen with the kits that it'll just turn into like, like someone like George Stevenson, if he's still doing it, he will be selling you files. He won't, you know, that, that whole act of casting and getting rid of all that, that'll all be gone. And then everyone will be at home making their, their one model at a time. Right. And, that's where I think it's going to. I don't know how it's going to get fine-tuned, but if you look at how other technology's gone, they're definitely going to refine it. It's going to have to get a lot faster to, to be a production thing. It's going to have to be a lot faster. 
Um, so I that's see what more. I'm talking about. Yeah. And I'm talking about the getting rid of the scaffolding. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, I really think they're going to come up because you look mm -hmm. at a lot of stuff that's been done. You look at the old way it was done. You know, like when we were turning TV channels in the 70s, did you ever really think you were going to have a box that you could sit there, you know, in 10 years and do this? Or in 30 years, you were going to be able to drive home on your phone and say, hey, garage door, open up. Or yeah. whatever it is. It's insane what they've done. They've miniaturized everything and they've come yeah. up with some type of technology to do what you had to do by hand. Well, so we've I, talked I about how the testing process is going to be eliminated. Yeah. Well, or I see it integrating at the very least integrating where, you know, you have things that you just can print that you, if you cast, it would take forever. Right. Okay. So I think you're going to see a mix where you're going to get a kit and it's going to have traditionally cast things and it's going to have some 3D printed things as well. Right. And that's where I see it going first, yeah. you know? Yeah. Eventually it, it'll probably get to where you say, but it, it's, I think that'll be the step in the evolution that, you know, you'll be able to um, do that. But what I like about it is you can change sizes, yeah. you know, if you have, oh, a, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and that's cool. Yeah. You know, that, that part of it's cool. Well, think of it this way. When, when you had to, to sculpt something, you know, you had to sit there on the phone with somebody. I've done this with plenty of sculptors. And you'd sit there on the phone and you'd look at the emails. But even before that, it would be photographs, right? Mm -hmm. And then you'd have to wait forever because the armature in there was posed this way. Well, now I realize these arms, I don't like it. You know, the arms should be doing this. So then you had to wait for all that shit to go. Well, when the digital shit came along, there is your, you know, your, um, your form. And then you can just sit there and go, what do you want? Do you want this? Do you want that? You right. get rid of yep. the photographs. You get rid of all that time. So now with what they've done with printing, yeah, you've got the whole thing where the, the materials that they use are brittle. And, you know, and to sit there and to make something or whatever, you get all that shitty detail on it that you got to sand off. And it's mm -hmm. one of those things, well, you know what? You really would be better off just making your master and doing a mold. But some of these guys thought that they were going to get their MakerBot and they were going to print these one at a time. Well, guess what? It takes hours and sometimes days. And, and resin it's not takes a very more. efficient yeah. process when you have a hit kit. Yeah. So I knew guys were thinking of doing that. Like, I'm just going to ditch the RTV. It's like, yeah, but you're also going to ditch the convenience along, you know, the, the assembly line production of the thing. And you're not yeah. going to be able to make multiples. And if you're going from that to, hey, I'm printing one at a time and you got people waving money at you and you're just like, well, it takes, you know, five days to print it. And, you know, I got a real job or whatever it is. It's very impractical. And I've seen guys try it yep. and said, you know what, this ain't going to work. But at some point, they're going to they're going to, you know, leapfrog all that shit. And I, I do. I think everyone will have a maker bot. It'll be just a standard thing. And with the modeling section, it'll just be like, hey, you know, like that scene in um, oh, the Matrix when we go, we need guns, lots of guns. <laughs> One day I'm going to hit a button and say, I want to do a Cyclops. Boom! It's just going to shoot in front of me a zillion files, and I could pick, I could pick a hermaphrodite cyclops if I want. There'll be so many damn choices of shit, and I think I'm just going to hit it, you know. Or it's going to be like in Logan's Run. Remember how dating got? Just dial up a woman, and yeah, whoop, there she is, man. You know, and I, I really do. I think the cyclops with a big dildo on his head. Okay. All right, horn. we're off Thanks. the rails. Terry, thanks for joining hey, us. That wasn't me. And on that note. <laughs> on that note, we're out of here. Uh, Terry, next issue, uh, roughly when 
should we expect? Um, I'm looking at probably about February. It's it's on uh, UFOs okay. and aliens. So it's going to have a mix of spaceships and uh, movie Martians and just other anything connected with otherworldly uh, type stuff. I'm trying to get it all pulled together and get it in, into uh, into motion. And verbally give the website and contact info. Uh, AmazingFigureModeler.com. Uh, we're all digital now. It's ten dollars a uh, a download. Our latest issues, number seventy two. It's the uh, the uh, military issue. It's got that's pop culture military. It's not Sherman tanks and P thirty eight. Straight that. Straight war stuff. It's more pop culture slant. Uh, we have nearly two hundred pages in there, and uh, they can go up online and just pay their money and download it. We're not taking subscriptions yet. When we do our next issue, we will have fleshed out all the old past and everything. And then we'll look to announce what our new approach is going to be for okay. people for subscribe for us. So cool. I uh, just want to say uh, hi to everyone out there. I hope they have a good thanks. Or I should say, by the time they see this, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving day holiday and everything. And then, yeah. and then and wish you all Dave's a Merry still, Christmas uh, coming up. Dave's still converting the old, old issues as well. Is yeah. Dave slowly, but surely it's a lot of work. I kind of I talked to him about that. I didn't realize how much work it was because part of his problem was, he did it back in Quark in the day, mm -hmm. and Quark is no longer available. So he's got to go back and stitch these things together to make them presentable, and it's just a lot of work. It's a lot of tedious, uh, you know, work. And fortunately, I don't have to worry about it. I got bigger <laughs> fish to fry, you know, fleshing out the magazine and everything. But yeah, we're, you know, as they go, I still we still have the print issues too. People want them, so. All so right, yeah. But thank uh, you so I much. I just want to say thanks. I've been watching not. You know, some of you guys go, I think, like, what, an hour and a half or whatever, but it's been uh, pretty fun. Yeah. Congratulate you guys. I mean, you guys are, what, up to your 30s, you say? Yeah, 30. Yeah, I think this, I have to look at the no. number. I think this is 30. Five or six. Yeah, or pretty or sure you'll be hitting the 50th issue, and you'll see. You know? Yeah. But Seriously, thank, thanks for everything you do, Terry, and thanks for joining us. It's great to hear from you, hey, man. You'll get my bill. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, we'll come back at another time or whatever. Yeah, talk tell more stories. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Alrighty, man. man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, take care. Bye. See you guys. All right, see you, Terry. All right, that was Terry, everybody. Terry, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on, Terry. Oh, dang it. I forgot to press the Paul Gale button earlier. Well, thanks for that. Oh, well. I forgot Sorry, to press Paul. the Mark Worthing button too. You forgot the, all all the buttons have been forgotten. I'll I'll put that up on the screen. I'll just press them now. Press them now. Press them now. All right, everybody. I'm sorry. I forgot everyone's buttons. First of all, Mark Worthing's button. Second, Paul Gill's button. Okay. We're done. <laughs> Fucking pressing my buttons right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'd make these buttons and then I forget to play them when we're supposed to. Anyway, all right. Hey, look, I got this new thing. You make <laughs> buttons and they're useful because I don't use them. Oh, my God. All right. Emails and corrections and voicemails. I'll let you call it. Emails first or voicemails first? Oh, let's do emails. Okay. Emails. Uh, from Chuck Homolka. Saw this uh, Andrea miniature. Figured it would interest some guys. They say it is one-tenth scale, and there was a great write-up write about it in Andrea and his brother in this month's Fantasy Figures International magazine. So it does look pretty cool. 
So if you want to check this out, head over to Andrea Miniatures and great vampire chick. I love it. No picture. Thanks, Chuck. I have the picture. I'll show you later. Oh, great. Thanks. It helps I me now. I needed to see it. <laughs> no, I don't want to comment on anything. I'm just here for eye candy. Oh, no, wait. Is it up there? No, it's not. Of course it's not. All right. Let's not be ready or anything. It was ready. It's in the folder ready to go when I edit. All right. up. Uh... Here we go, Mumbles. Get going. It's been a while. From Raymond LeGrant. Hi, Jason. Your last podcast led me to search out someone who I haven't heard of in for over 10 years regarding the discontinuation of certain of his garage kits. I asked him why he stopped making the kits, and he replied, they didn't sell well enough. My guess was his asking price. My reply to him was that he needed better marketing or advertising. Then he replied back, when you're selling proprietary things, too much advertising can get you shut down. Toward the end of the episode, you talked about pricing of kits. Is it, is, it po- is it possible that what cost $150 back in 2008 didn't sell, could sell for $300 in 2021 and sell even better? Which leads to the question, how much is too much to charge for a kit? Tackle that one, sir. Okay. I would say, so what you bought for 150 back in the day you're probably going to pay between 175 and 200 today if the kit is re-released or you know and, and again it's all going to depend on size and what the kit is and how intricate it is but i'm talking a standard 16 scale kit that you bought for 150 dollars back in the day at one point that price kind of went up to 175 for that standard um whatever what you're seeing now too is you know the price of resin has gone up and so you are going to see some prices going up 300 for something and if it's something that's reissued if you paid 150 for it and they want to reissue it for 300 you may see that i don't know how many they'll sell depending on what the kit is you know and but a lot of guys and and terry talked about it in the interview this whole limited thing and all that so that kind of factors in too yeah so if that helps um the uh the reply he got about being careful with advertising because of licensing and stuff that's very true too i guess my reply to that would be you know, if they didn't sell well 10 years ago, well, there was no social media 10 years ago to really pass it around on or groups. So maybe now you could. But again, it depends on the kit. You know, I don't know who the producer he's talking about is. I don't know who the kid he's talking about is. But, you know, it's a mixed bag. You know, and Terry talked about, you know, kits they got for reviews that, you know, maybe weren't great and stuff like that. And maybe this kid he's looking for didn't sell well because maybe it wasn't. Yeah. A great kit. You know, again, I don't know. Without knowing the, the my other side of that is, I mean, you have less people now in the hobby than there were ten years ago. So mm-hmm. if it didn't sell well then, you know, you're in a smaller pool now to try and sell now, that to less people. Now that being said, a reissue may sell well, right? But is it going to sell for? You know, to me, and and I'm just going to throw a kid out there. Let's say the Janus Dracula. Okay, 
So the Janus Dracula at the time of its release was, I believe, $240. 240 260 Okay. What came with that kit? And that was a base with a pillar and a... With the arch? Arch. No, the arch was for was the add-on different? for the bride, okay. but it came with an arch window. Okay. Some rats. You know, it was a nice, beautiful Mike Hill sculpt. It still stands out as one of the best Draculas of all time, as I covered, I think, a couple episodes ago. But now... When you see that kid on eBay, it's crazy money. But that doesn't mean if you re-release it, you can charge the crazy money and get away with it. You can, but I don't think people are going to pay it. Now, you look at that kid at 240 10 years ago, okay, maybe it turns into a $300 kit now. Yes. Yeah. But what that does is you'll start to see a sell-off of originals at that point because all of a sudden you don't have a collectible and and again i've said this a zillion times if you're in this or any hobby because something might be collectible in the future you're in it for the wrong reasons yeah um i did comic books for years and yes i speculated on some things some things i did well (laughs) for the most part you know there's going to be kits you bought or Comics you bought for $5 that aren't worth a quarter or you can't give away. So, you know, it's a, it's a mixed bag. It it really is a mixed bag. You know, it's like if you were to say, okay, I'm going to reissue the Janus Dracula and I'm going to charge four or $500 for it. Yeah. You might get some takers, but I don't think you'd get as many. No, I think you'd have to price it back down to normal. You'd have Mm -hmm. to. So, all right, our next email. Our next email is from Vince Simonelli. Jason and Scott, I just finished the latest episode, and while I did enjoy it very much, at three hours and seven minutes, yeah, it was probably a little long. It could have been tightened up. I agree. I need to get better with my editing. It took me four viewing sessions to get through it all. Yeah, but that's kind of, and again, we always, we get emails saying we love the long episodes. We get emails saying we hate the long episodes. I come from a a thing where I used to listen to three and a half hour video game, four hour video game in Warhammer podcast. Listen to us while you're building. Come back, watch, listen to it later. Four sessions. Spread us out over a couple of days. Hey, everyone. Most everyone's got smart TVs now. Watch us while you're going to bed. Yeah. Uh, you'll fall right asleep. Boom, like that. <laughs> yep, for sure. Okay. Uh, I have no problem at all with the theme and photo that Wonderfest is using for the next show. And I'm already excited about it. Ships and vehicles are a legitimate part of the show, and I have appreciated Nicholas Meyer's work for many years. I don't come from the slightly negative place that Jason does concerning the state and the future of the hobby. I'm Mr. Negative Nancy all the time. Uh, Certainly, I agree that 3D printing will change the hobby, but I don't see casters going anywhere. Many people will not want to go through the cost and hassles of buying and using a 3D printer. I have only been in the hobby for about seven years and when i see the quality of the castings that are being made now compared to older kits i see casting is a great in a great place right now i do however wonder what would happen if jeff yeager was hit by a bus tomorrow <laughs> wow hold on, hold on wait, wait, wait right there 3d printing should be a regular segment in fact i would like to see one or both of you bring your camera to wherever you have a printer and show the rest of us what goes into buying and using a printer? I'm considered buying an Ellie Goose Saturn, and I would like to see the space requirements, accessories that are required. Anyway, thanks for taking the time to put together another show 
And I look forward to the next one. Great work, Vince Simonelli. So thank you, Vince. Uh, as, if Jeff Yeager got hit by a bus, this hobby would be in serious deep trouble. <laughs> like deep trouble. Deep trouble. So Jeff does a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And there's um, other guys out there doing stuff. This is no slight to anyone else that's no, out there. No, but but yep. in the last 10 years, I I wonder what percentage of the garage kit releases Jeff's been part of. It would be interesting to have. It would note. be interesting. Uh, as so. far as the space that uh, a Saturn takes up, uh, I'm going to post a picture here. I took, I'll probably take some more and I'll put them here. It does not take a lot of space at all. Uh, a Saturn is about the, it's smaller than a microwave width wise. Like if you took a microwave and turned it on its end, like standing tall, it'd be about that size. And you really only need, if you want the wash and cure station, you're basically doubling that. So I, I literally, I think I work in a space this big with mine, with the one Saturn. Scott has a table set up. Yeah. I have a, a six foot folding table. Yeah. And I have my wash and cure on one side. I have my printer on another side in the middle. I have, um, is where I keep my wash and wash and cure bucket. Um, of denatured alcohol because when you're curing you need a place to put the bucket that's where i keep my resin and my spatulas and stuff like that and that's you know that would be good enough i have a little separate table next to mine where i put things to dry after i've washed them and i have extra supplies and paper towels just sitting right there so yeah it it does not take up a lot of room at all up a lot of room no I kind of have mine in a corner area. So I have like, it's, it's like an L an L, and I can reach in both. I put towels, but I work like my, I'm the worst. As you see this thing behind me, I, and I've said this before, I build the studio like an orc where I don't care what it looks like. If I need a hanger, I'll put a nail somewhere and hang something. I'll just rash, like just slap things together. I don't care what it looks like. Whereas I think Scott is a little more <laughs> organized. Um, and mine's really still pictures. temporary. I have a, I have a huge basement. Yeah, you do. Which and it's going to be I'm finished so someday. So at some point I'm going to have to move this, but it's not going to, you'll see. Uh, okay. Just like that big galuna, right? Yeah. Big galuna is coming. All right. Wonderfest. That's it for emails. We have our voicemail. Scott, are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. It is from your buddy. Hey, buddy. Yeah, this is uh, Brian Clark again. I'm just uh, calling because of the uh, hate messages I've been receiving from one of the hosts. Um, the threats are not appreciated. And uh, I, I just have to say that, you know, Scott, <clears throat> I'm just really, really, really proud of you learning to spell four-letter words like sucks. Um, Potentially, uh, in the future, you might even get up to five-letter words or, or or who knows, maybe even six. You know, words with more than one syllable would be, you know, I'm just, I'm just proud of you getting to that one syllable, actually. But hopefully, eventually, you'll get to uh, two, maybe three syllables, you troglodyte. All right, man. Hey, you guys have a great job. They're doing a great job. I uh, look forward to uh, uh, watching the show. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, Black Friday special, which is not coming out on Black Friday because I'm sure, you know, 
Scott was in some sort of tryptophan coma uh, and has delayed everything. You know, I was just looking and checking and looking, and there was nothing there, you know. Uh, but I'm sure it has more to do with uh, Scott and his failures than it does with Jason and his successes. But, uh, hey, you guys, uh, one of you keep up the good work. The other one, you know, just uh, whatever, uh, you know. I don't care, you know, Scott. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> right, Scott? Yeah, four-letter word. I got a four-letter word for you, buddy. Wow, Brian. Brian Clark sounds like a serial killer. And well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, first of all, let's, I want to get some facts out there first. Okay. All right. I was threatened by him first. <laughs> okay. Now understand like you, Brian's a teacher. So I have to be careful what I post on his Facebook page because he hides behind his students. Okay. <laughs> and so Brian posted a picture of the Aurora Dick Tracy he was working on, the Polar Lights reissue. And I said, uh, I think I said something to the effect of, well, Dick Tracy, there's a movie that wasn't about what you were hoping it was, huh? (laughs) And Brian's response to that, which actually made me laugh out loud, was, I must end you. (laughs) Or no, I must destroy you. Okay. Uh... So Brian started that narrative. Okay. Second of all, Brian clearly loves the attention because he changed his profile pic um, to me holding up my sign from last week. So, but because I'm a people pleaser. Oh, okay. All right. And Brian wanted me to use something with more than one syllable. Okay. I, I made a new sign. Okay. And here we go. What does that even mean? <laughs> See, you don't even know. So, there you go. Look that up. Okay. All right. It's a word. All right. So, um, the feud continues. Um, four syllables spelled correctly. <laughs> Put it up there one more time. Okay. Emphasis on the first syllable because that's what he really is. And uh, there you go. <laughs> and and I, I will say about his Dick Tracy, um, I'm thinking about afterwards, I, I may let him paint my dick. So we'll see. Um, but he did mention that it would take a small brush, but a lot of paint. So uh, there we go. All right. Oh, my God. All right, everybody. Brian Clark, take that. You. That was episode 35. Um, thank you again to Cher- Terry J. Webb for coming on. Uh, we always love having Terry on and we'll have him on again real soon. And don't forget our giveaway. Our big thing to give away this episode is the witch from Mark Worthling, along with a monster, Peter Boyle from young Frankenstein, some magazines and some other cool stuff. Leave those comments below. If you want into that giveaway and everybody have a great time between Thanksgiving and the next episode. And we have something really big planned. So if it pans out, the next episode is going to be oh yeah, loaded. Let's put it that way. It is going to be a big one if it if it works. Loaded, and it and is a logistic I, nightmare. I, I do want to comment really quick. And um, I, I the gentleman that made the music for the 
um, gallery last time. Wow, Roy, you listen to this? Roy, no. And I'm with you. I appreciate what Roy did. What was funny is someone did comment about it, and Roy was very gracious about it <laughs> and said, hey, it's not for everyone and and and, and all that. And man, there was one part in it that got a little creepy that I was like, "Well, what's going on in this music?" I love so, it. I, it's right up my. Well, of course alley, you again, do. Um, yeah. It's right, babies <laughs> screaming and being tortured, and you know, puppies dying and all that. So of course you do. The best. Also, kind of I, I, I want to go on record. A few people have commented that um, they think my co-host hates animals, and. uh well, maybe you should stop talking bad about dogs and cats. I what are you talking about? <laughs> all right, I'm just saying. All right, I mean, you know, maybe you should take your lizard for a walk or walk your lizard into PetSmart for training. Okay, cats are the worst. What? Okay, see, that's your opinion. No, I don't know how a modeler could own a cat because fur and knocking things over—the two worst things to own if you have collectibles. Like, it's called, you know what? How can a modeler have a baby? Because let me tell you something. The baby's just as bad, except for it doesn't climb. Okay. No baby here. Oh, okay. So, whoa. Everybody live their life according to Jason. No, you live your life according to your hobby. You don't Eat want. out of the garbage. <laughs> okay. All right, this is going sideways. Of course Eat you out of the Eat out of the toilet. Okay. Plus cats, and, they walk and, in their poop and then climb on all your stuff. They don't walk in their poop. They're very dainty. They bury their poop, which what? I'm surprised you don't eat. What? They walk in their toilet. Dude, you fish toothpaste <laughs> out of your toilet and put it in your mouth. Okay. It was closed. Anyway, everybody have a good episode. <laughs> everybody have a good I, episode. I love all animals. Everybody, have a good week. We'll talk to you soon. Good two weeks. Yeah, that next episode's a big one. If it comes together, it is going to go from, let's give a little little hint, from England to California. That's the span of that episode. Yeah, it's going to be intercontinental. Intercontinental. So we'll see how it goes. I don't know if it's going to work. Anyway, everybody have a good week. Good two weeks. Talk to you later.